Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it with, you made it with, you made it with. What's happening, weirdos? A wonderful episode with my friend Ali Waller, a, a terrific comedian and writer. I was so glad that we uh, finally made this happen. We had to reschedule it a few times, but we had a delightful chat gabbing. So let's get to it without any uh, further ado. A uh, couple uh, quick tour dates coming up here. Uh, we have a live You Made It Weird in San Diego, a live You Made It Weird in Montreal, stand up in Montreal, stand up in Houston, stand up in Dallas. Uh, stand up in Toronto, also a live you made it weird in Toronto, and then stand up in Utah. All of those dates are on PeteHolmes.com. Uh, yeah, you got that. Also, I also, he didn't even ask me to do this, but I'm going to the Everything is Spiritual Tour, which is Rob Bell's new show. It's supposed to be amazing. He told me he was doing it. He was crying. The crowd was crying. It's this like, kind of exploration of how amazing the universe is. It's very, very wonderful if you saw the first one. And if you're in L.A., that's going to be at the Regent Theater Wednesday and Thursday, if you're hearing this the day it came out. And if you're going to be in other places, just go to robbell.com and check that tour out. It's, I can't wait to see it. It's going to be amazing, I'm sure. The sponsor, I'm very happy to say, is Hulu. I'm, I'm a big Hulu user myself. And they are now announcing that Seinfeld, maybe my favorite show of all time, certainly one of my favorite shows of all time, is uh, going to be on Hulu. That's amazing. That is amazing. I want them to do this with all the great shows, and they've done it with Seinfeld. What's your favorite episode? You can watch it. What are the essential episodes you have to re-watch? Get on Hulu. For the first time ever, you can now stream the entire Seinfeld series exclusively on Hulu. It's $7.99 a month if you don't have it already, and you can watch nine seasons. Nine seasons of Seinfeld, which is, you know, I personally own them, but now I don't have to get up. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. How awesome is that? Back to back to back, easy the way it should be. In fact, I do that with everything. If I can get it online, I want it online. DVDs are so 2001. And by the way, a Hulu subscription is like less than one season. So just do that. Just get Hulu. And then you get everything and nine seasons of Seinfeld. Get in there, you soup Nazi. <laughs> I did not say to call you a soup Nazi. That was something I shouldn't have said. All right, guys, thank you for coming out on the road. Thank you for the good words about the podcast. Hope to see you in San Diego, Montreal, Houston, Dallas, Utah, Toronto. That's it. Well, come to one of those. It's so good to see you out there. Enjoy Ali Waller. And uh, oh, and the t shirts we talk about in this episode are available on PeteHolmes.com, as are the tour dates. So get the Truman Show shirt on uh, PeteHolmes.com. That's my dog. All right, get into it. Hi, Allie. So good to see you. Nice to see you. How are you? Finally having... This is the guest chair if you want yes. to be traditional. Sorry. No one's ever... No one's ever broken the... Broken the tradition. Why would I do that? I was just next door. There's this hippie, like, vegan place. Mm-hmm. I like it quite a bit. Uh, although, I, I was joking that they, do, they take a while. It's not, a, it's not a good place to order, like, a... Sandwich. Was it the place that the two old men were playing acoustic guitar? Yeah, were you in there? Well, no, I walked past, and I was like, oh, this is riveting. I, w- <laughs> I was in there, uh-huh. and it was um, it was interesting. But here's what I want to put to you, is the guy was saying, we are, you know, we're, oh, I we'll just know. record. Terrific. I was anticipating you saying, are we recording? We are. Okay. <laughs> Before I ask you how you are and everything. I'm doing great. It, oh, you snuck it in. <laughs> 
I don't know if it's because you're a writer, but I, I appreciate that. And a comedian, obviously, but I appreciate that even more because I feel like that's something you should put in a script. Like those little, it's hard to manufacture those authentic, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I say, before I ask you how you are, I want to tell you, and you're like, I'm, I'm fine. Fucking right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you kind of get it out of the way. Because <laughs> people don't really, do you like writing dialogue? Because when people. I love it. It's my favorite. Thing. I like it too. Yeah. It's kind of a crazy person's pursuit though because it's so controlling. Yeah. And I don't want to put us down and say we're crazy. It's just kind of like it takes a certain type of person. I wonder if you're this way, uh, socially ang- anxious. Like I don't know what people expect of each other. Right. What you're supposed to say, how long you're supposed to wait. Right. How long is too long for a story? But when you're writing a scene at a party, it's it's a delight. Yeah. Well, I like I'm a big joke person, so yes. I love like a hard joke. But then <laughs> recently, because I'm not writing for a cartoon anymore. I'm like, oh, you want to say something that actual people would say. So is this a joke? Is this too funny or intelligent for this person yeah. to actually say? I was at a uh, gala mm-hmm. for, uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picturing a costume party and champagne and champagne flutes. No, I'm, oh, I'm picturing just like a lot of like successful industry people who See, feel See, you've like, been to a gala yeah. Yeah, before. If I heard gala before I had uh, been in Los Angeles show business, I would have pictured something much funner. Mm-hmm. Galas are very fun, but you know, you're not in tuxedos. There's no silenced pistols. or right. <laughs> Basically, the opening to True true Lies is what I think a gala is. I do feel like it's terrific because everybody, we know a lot of people that then get very successful and then they want to give back. But I think... Sure. Because oh, that's literally what a gala is. Yeah. It's yeah. like, let's do something to give back and we'll spend a lot of money on the gala where we could probably just be spending it right on charity but i think that part of it is like oh this is meaningless and i have to give back in a big way it's like you hit a point have you done galas you've have done I, it no, sounds I'm just like, like, feel like people galas. are starting to do more and more charity things, sure which is good we should all do that maybe this wasn't a gala maybe this was just what it was was it was a, a panel okay that's better where the girls the girls the girls girls like uh your lena dunham's and mm-hmm. your ali williams and all the, all these wonderful people and then Bruce Eric Kaplan. Have you ever met him, uh, Bruce Kaplan? I met him once, yeah. Uh, wonderful cartoonist is how I know him, but of course he wrote for Seinfeld and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is slowly meandering back to what you just said. Is He was talking about, uh, or Lena rather, was saying that he is the voice on that show that says, that's really funny, but let's stop for a second and ask, is this how people really talk? Right. <laughs> Totally. Because you were on a uh, cartoon, you were on uh, American, uh, American Dad, Dad and y- you weren't burdened with that. No, nobody, they're barely people. So, right. yeah. It's just, it's not set up jokes, but what do you think? Is it, it's a it's lot of set up, like vaudeville. Yeah, it's a lot of set up jokes. And then, I mean, our joke room was like the most fun I've ever had working. Because, really? Yeah, it's just like some days, it's just like you have five or six people that you love in a room yep. and you have five jokes to punch up. So you come up with like 20 insane areas yeah. and a bear can come in. I mean, yeah, anything yeah, yeah. can happen. Hey, that's me, the bear. Yeah. Do you pitch in the voice? Uh, you yeah, pitch sure. I'll sometimes do that. <laughs> well, that was the most fun thing, too. Because at the end of the day, you're in the joke room all day, and then at the end of the day, you go into the story room, which is a more tedious room, and so everyone's yeah. a little like, ugh. And you perform the jokes, and uh, so that's like the most fun part of the day. Where is Mike? Mike is in the story room? Well, uh, Mike. The, the showrunner. Oh, the showrunner is now Brian Boyle. He's in the story room. Oh. Yeah. The show can... Mike's not on the show anymore, though. No. I love Mike. Yeah, he's a good guy. I don't know what to say politically. I also love Brian O'Boyle. Yeah, What's his name? Brian Boyle. He's Brian, great. I call him Brian O'Boyle. <laughs> anyway, I, I did voices on the show and I knew Mike, and mm-hmm. that's how I did some voices on that show. So I was just trying to give him a shout out. Yeah. So, but the the showrunner who currently he'll be more in the in the more laborious room. Yes, and he always used to love the joke room. So when it's he nice. got promoted, it's, it's called the joke room. Yeah. 
It's, it's a, so fun. And they brought in, I bought um, a bunch of balls, these like weird orbit balls that I just like love. And then because I was obsessed with them, the guys bought me a box of a hundred of them and poured them on me in my office one day. No. So like there are balls everywhere. There's Legos in the room. It's just a real joy. What are orbit balls? Are they shaped like planets? They're like little, I'll email it to you. Is this interesting for the listeners? I'm going to email Pete a link. <laughs> Well, they can Google it. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. We're here. We're doing this. Uh, they can do whatever they want. That's true. Sometimes I like to think about, you, you go like, oh, there's thousands of people listening. But if you were performing for these thousands of people, you'd see some of them are jerking off. <laughs> some, <laughs> some one guy's like half asleep. Actually, a lot of people, I think, listen to podcasts while they're falling asleep or they're working or they're like half listening or they're sculpting. <laughs> I feel like that is a we- it's a weird thing to fall asleep to. I, I wouldn't necessarily want to do it myself because if you're falling asleep, we could totally, you know, lay a little little eggs in their subconscious right Oh, the now. people are having dreams about you. Well, that too. That's awesome. <laughs> I have a theory. Uh-huh. Let's, I'm going to pitch you a movie. Yeah. Imagine a reality in a world mm-hmm. where, there, where the, the reason why uh, like the president and, all the, and showbiz people like superstars realize that we get this uh, power, capital P power, mm-hmm. from having people dream about you. So that's the conceit of the movie. That's awesome. And that's why people like Jason Alexander do KFC commercials, because he gets it. It's not about power. It's about this sort of, like, you need to stay in the consciousness, and then you get, like, superpowers And then it. people – and so it's sort of like you can't control if you're going to get powers, really. You yeah, just have you, to hope that people you. depend you. on the people. It's kind of loosely based on a video game I played where the more this like, – it was called Black and White and You Were a God. And if you got the, your worshippers praying harder mm-hmm. and sacrificing more, you got more powers. So it's kind of like that. Will you buy this movie? <laughs> yeah, I'm totally going to watch this movie. But I always think, like, yeah, like, it's weird to think, like, you could, people could, like, people that you haven't seen in years could be having dreams about you. I know. I thought about that. I bet you get people dream about you a lot, I bet. That's one of the weirder, more intimate things. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't they? Yeah. I mean, I dream about the, the people in the podcast, and I have, like, very strange, intimate uh, projections of what they look like if I don't know what they look like. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I'll, I'll picture them in this very specific way. I'll picture the studio in a very specific way. So th- there's also a, a pressure you don't want to let people down. Like, what if, what if you... Like, somebody recently was in like... In dream? Or- no, 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 in okay. life. Okay. <laughs> Although in dream... In dream. <laughs> How many dreams per night is Matt Damon in? Oh, so many. Yeah. So many. Yeah. But then that goes to that goes back to the movie conceit where it's like that's why he can like shoot lightning from his fingers. I, I do That's think, why he has to keep making movies. Yeah. But I do think it would be weird and this is gross, but I think about it sometimes with celebrities who are like, what is it like to walk down the street knowing like so many people have masturbated and thinking yeah. about it? I think about every any time I've met like an adult actress or or even just I met Kate Upton, who's Oh like, my god, it's who's like insane. my number one. Yeah. She's like my number one. And I met her, my number one. <laughs> that is so gross. I was just trying to compliment you her. There isn't really a list, but I was like, she's my favorite. Yeah, did you see her in Zero Gravity? It was amazing. Was she in some sort of plane? They put her in a Zero Gravity room in a bikini. Isn't the Zero Gravity room on a plane, though? Don't yeah. you have to, like, skydive? Yeah. That's how hard we, how pressed, how hard pressed we are for, like, new erotic situations. <laughs> she just, we will risk her life. Her boobs were great. She was having fun. They love... Water, underwater stuff. <laughs> yeah. We're very Japanese when it comes to Kate Upton. <laughs> like, put her in uh, dry dog food or something. Yeah. Like, like, very strange things. So I met her, and, like, I get that sort of puritanical uh, politeness, mm-hmm. which I'm all for. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm from, like, a snobby people and very prudish people. Okay. In fact, I used to always say, 
my girlfriend, you've met Valerie, has has big boobs. And I'm always kind of like, I before I kind of liberated myself, I used to say when I was young, I was like, I could never date a girl with big boobs because it, introducing your parents to them is too weird. Oh. How Freudian is all this sound, <laughs> by the way? Weird. Because you're like, this is something I like. Yeah. It's so, it is gauche or so, grotesque or something. When she met your parents, were you like, can you wear a really big sweater? <laughs> <laughs> I did have, a, my mom one time told a girlfriend of mine to put a bra on. Oh, no. It's one of the worst days of my life. <laughs> were, you in, were you in the room when that happened? Oh, yeah, I was there. Oh. And it was terrible. And, and you flare up in this horrible way where, <laughs> you know, on one hand, it's your mom. Yeah. Uh, so we'll give her mom points. But on the other hand, this is your, your girlfriend and you love her and you care about, this is a couple exes ago. Mm-hmm. And I really, I really went hard in her defense. I was like, how could you say that? Like, so embar-. And then I talked about it in therapy, and my therapist was like, yeah, you know, um, you have a right to get angry. Your mom shouldn't have said that. And then he goes, but, you know, your girlfriend should also wear a bra when meeting your parents. Yeah, it's true. That- he was just kind of true. offering that. Yeah. But anyway, I don't know how we got there. Okay, when I met Kate Upton, I felt very embarrassed to be like, she meets people constantly uh-huh. who are like, oh, I... I Either worse than sex, or worse than masturbating. I think about you while I have sex with my partner or yeah. something. You know what I mean? She's part of the sexual consciousness. She just has to deal with that. Yeah, but also probably enjoys. I mean, that's like a sign of success for her. So many people are masturbating me. I'm at the top of my game. That. Oh my god. If that is the movie, if it's like there's dreaming, there's masturbating. I mean, yeah, Kate Upton would definitely have to be in the movie. So she can like teleport or something. Yeah, she can like punch through your body right yeah she can do it as long as people can like because she's probably fine for cash yeah oh yeah. like this this movie's coming together yeah <laughs> no, <laughs> like, i'm into it why keep doing it is because she wants to continue to be super strong and teleport and stuff or whatever but it's because i like the first <laughs> half of the movie being about dream people all these dream people and they're right. like, everybody dreams about us we're so powerful and then these more powerful people come and they're like who is this right. oh it's kate upton it's yeah yeah, it's yeah, yeah. brad pitt yeah, yeah yeah it's the masturbation yeah. clan <laughs> <laughs> and now we're super fucked <laughs> wait so how were things with your mom and your girlfriend after that happened well that was uh that was a terrible terrible uh, shake-up for me. <laughs> the whole thing. For her, I mean, what did she say? It was horrible. I, it was a terrible... T- it was, I don't even like thinking about it, which is fine. I'm happy to do it, but uh, it's not often that I get to an area where I'm like, it feels okay. prickly. All right. But they, she was like, can I talk to her f- alone for a moment? Oh, God. And then they walked about 15 feet in front of me, and then my girlfriend at the time, who was very brash, mm-hmm. very brassy, like cut to the cut the shit I don't know what my mom was saying because they were in front of me and she goes oh you're saying you want me to wear a bra like that like kind of like to kind of throw it in her face it was not good but you know I look back on that relationship it was it was like an earthquake it really was and it kind of uh, among other things it was uncomfortable at points it was it was bad at points but it also like uh, jarred the barred door off the hinges mm-hmm. in my own cell mm-hmm. the cell that i had created that my identity and sex was a part of that yeah. it wasn't that we were like super freaky or anything it was just kind of like being like no it's time to move away from my parents and and i used this kind of tumultuous relationship i think of her as my jailbreaker now to like break out of that oh that's terrific well instead of hating her because mm-hmm. it would be very cheap to hate people that we used to love. And I, I don't want to do... How are you on that? Uh, oh, I try... I'm very loving and I try to keep in touch with people. Is that right? Yeah. You're like a still friends? Not... Friends is a strong word, but still friendsly. Like still, I just try to, you know... Yeah, I try to... It's like this is a person that was important to you 
they so scary. significant part of your life and who you are and how you behave yep. and you know, your next relationship. So I try to just keep things nice. They're a piece of you. Yeah. For better or worse. I was reminiscing about <laughs> I can't that's too personal. But we were talking about it. Val and I were talking about a past relationship on the way over. So there can be an openness. But I think what a lot of people do is they look at it like a death. Mm-hmm. And then there's almost like I don't know if it's superstitious or what, but we don't want to talk. It's so like how many montages in movies of dead relationships? Yeah. Like uh, Blue Valentine. Did you see Blue Valentine? Yes. I don't remember. I remember being real bummed out. Yeah. But I liked it's it. Not, yeah. It's it's hard. It's like you get a lot of Gosling. Yeah. But it's not really worth it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they lure you in with the Goss and then they break your heart. But the thing that's interesting to me is something that we all do as a people, mm-hmm. regardless of where you're from or whatever, is like fall in love and then have it not work out. Mm-hmm. So it's this tragic living death yeah. that we've all been through over and over and over. And then we all kind of like, it's part of that denial of death. Like we all act like we're not going to die. Uh-huh. And we all also act like we're not going to get our hearts broken. But then there's this weird guy in our brain that's like, yes, you are. Yeah. Well, I, I, had to, I used to have a friend that used to always be like, well, how's it going to end? And you're like, well, you can't. You're just, nothing's going to happen if you started out that way. You're fucked, man. Yeah. How's it going to end? <laughs> it was a I, bummer. She I was get... single for a long time. <laughs> but, okay. So this, this is a very interesting topic to me. It's like uh, things we can break down in a lab, mm-hmm. double blind studies we can reproduce. How's it going to end? You're a fool. Louis C.K. has that great bit where he's like, the best case scenario is you marry your best friend, your, your lover or whatever, and you're perfect together, and then they die or you die. Mm-hmm. So either you break their heart by dying and leaving them or they break your heart and die and leave them. So really the best case scenario would be like you both die instantly in the same moment. Uh, yeah. You hear those stories about the people that like it's like they die of a heart. like Broken heart. heart. Yeah. That's uh, – that's in the Old Testament, I think. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I was dying of a broken heart. I forget who it was. You're right, in church. It was in church. <laughs> <laughs> it was this morning in church. But, okay, so when you get too stuck in the rational mind, now we've really jumped to kind this of is the great. third I'm act it. of the podcast. <laughs> I'm glad you're into it. That makes me happy. There's this great, I heard Ram Dass say it, but it's not his quote. He says, the rational mind is a wonderful servant, but a terrible master. Mm-hmm. So it sounded to me like that woman is being, that's her master, is your rational mind. Because... Isn't that good? Yeah, it is Because you can't argue. Paranoid people are correct. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Scared people are correct. There could, you could have an aneurysm. You could get hit by a car. The, the fucking earth could fall out of the sky mm-hmm. or whatever it is. That, yeah, that's legit. When I watch my strange phobia, mm-hmm. I'm like, this person has a point. Yeah. You need to start going like, it doesn't make rational sense and this is when we get into the area of the soul yeah no i'm excited about that because i love self-help books and <laughs> so like that's the part of your podcast that i do love is that right oh totally oh, i'm happy to hear that <laughs> but i you know i i don't want to get too stuck in uh you know those soul essence can we say essence? like those are the good things that's why we cry at music and that's why we love movies and that's why we love stories and poetry <laughs> but I think it is better to always just have the experience have the relationship make the weird mistake yeah right than to not that's even a- though I often suffer for that because I'm like why did I ask that person out and he wasn't into me or right, whatever right, right. you do oh, I know that feeling when yeah. you're going to a date and you're like I don't think they're into this yeah. or I'm not into this which yeah. is worse yeah because oh, the worst, I've, and I've had it way too many times, is when you're, it's on like the second or third date that you're not excited about. 
but you're doing it because I go through this. Well, maybe I'm being too hard on him. I want to be open, I want, even though I had a hunch that it right. wasn't right. And so then you're just getting dressed, and you're like, I could just stay home and watch a movie. I know that feeling. Oh, my Jesus. And then it's like, well, what's the point of going on the date? Because you're going into it with this, like, sort of... But that, Okay, so you're, you're looking at, like, there's two us's. There's so many us's, but mm-hmm. there are two us's, I feel like. And there's that guy... That's like, I'm going to talk to strangers on a plane. Mm-hmm. You know oh, what I mean? That guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't be that guy. I, like, very, very rarely. But every once in a while, I'm just in that place where I'm like, I, I feel like talking to people. I feel like meeting people. I feel like being my best self. I feel like helping people be their best self. And then what I try to do is make plans when I'm him. And then hope that he shows up again when the plan is happening. Uh-huh. <laughs> but sometimes it's not him. It's the guy that I am. The other times, and he's just like, what is the fuck? I, I don't want to be here. I hate this date. Yeah. This sucks, and I want to be at home watching Netflix. Yeah. It's always, I'm very, I'm simultaneously confident and just so confused all the time. So it's like, part of me is like, oh, I have a hunch that this isn't the person for me. But yeah. then I'm like, I should be nice, maybe give him a chance. Right. No. Because how many stories, billions, are there that it's like, I wasn't going to go to the party, or I hated them when I first met them, or whatever, and then and then you end up falling. Whoa. But those are right when the people are like, and so then by the 10th date, I was like, I really liked him. I'm like, you know, I'm 10 fucking dates yeah, with this person? I've like, never done that. Yeah, it's 10 is... 10, I, you're in it by 10. Here's the advice that you're getting when I know that it's not right. Uh-huh. Well, maybe don't go to a meal with them. I mean, there's a lot of pressure in a meal. Maybe do something where you're like, yeah. together, but not... You're not incum- incumbent? Right. Is that a, is I don't that think a, that works. Incumbent. I've been watching House of Cards. <laughs> so, uh, that's not the right... So you're not in Congress. <laughs> so you don't have to, like, talk the whole time. Right. But then I'm like, you kind of... If you're on your third date and you're just like, I got nothing for you, I can't stand this, like, that's that's a bad sign. No, it's not good. For me. Do you like going... Would you like going on dates with, like, friends and stuff? Because that's, like, actually my worst nightmare. I Is, See, I think that's also a terrible sign. Yeah. If you're... <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but it's like people will be like, oh, I want to set you up with my friend. We'll all have drinks. And I'm like, no, then, because you're looking now. Not only do you have the pressure of a date now, like my friends are watching me. Yep. Who needs it? No. That's only happened once. I was set up once and I went to the thing and it was like a game night. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm but not there anymore. But you were set up and anymore. went to the game night. And she was there. Mm-hmm. And it was fine. I was newly divorced, though. So I wasn't feeling it. And then she really kind of wasn't feeling it either. And then my friend was like, I'm so sorry. Like an agent. I'm so sorry. I thought she would be better. I'm like. Oh, that's just mean. I guess. But I mean, she wasn't into me. She could yeah. have been better if she was into it. Yeah. But also I was like radiating that heat of sadness where you're like. I'm not ready for this. Are you, so you're not seeing anyone now? No, but I'm, I'm dating like crazy. Are you dating so like yeah, crazy? I'm in a fun dating period. What are you doing? How do you do it? Tinder setups, meeting people in real life sometimes. IRL? Yeah. What's the best? I I was trying not to say that. IRL? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm excited that I knew that. So uh, what what is the best chance for a successful date Uh, of those? Oh, oh, definitely not Tinder. <laughs> definitely not DMT Tinder. But I like I like I like the experience. I like doing it. It's fun. Sure. Yeah. I feel I, I I've never done it, but everybody seems to do it. It doesn't seem to be. How could it be scuzzy if everybody's doing it? Well, I also think some people are really <laughs> stupid because, like, I have one friend. She's like, I did it, and that guy's kept showing me dick pics. I'm like, who are you swiping on? Yeah, like, just pick the guy in like the plaid shirt with the glasses and the beard. <laughs> like. How, like was he shirtless are, and covered in tattoos? Yeah, he's gonna send you a picture of his fucking dick. 
It's like, let's be smart about this. Those are the social cues. Yeah. That is, we've talked about that on the podcast before, the idea that, like, there's this alpha beta guy now Mm -hmm. who dresses like a beta, but that's kind of an alpha move. You're just looking for a different part of the herd. Right. Not to talk about women as a herd, but we're also a herd, and we're trying to merge herds. Mergerds. (laughs) Mergerds. Mergerds and acquisitions. (laughs) (laughs) And it's so, not one that's going to be used a lot. That's real. Nope. It's not going to happen a lot. But you know you go like, okay, this is what I've been dealt. Mm-hmm. Uh, ability to grow a beard, soft chin line. Mm-hmm. Boom. Welcome to, welcome to the party. Well, I, did, I went to, um, uh, what was that bar? It was Little Joy in Echo Park. Have you ever uh-huh. been there? It's like no. very like hipstery Echo Park. And I walked, I looked around, and I was like, I am attracted to almost everyone in here because it's the plaid shirt and the beard and the glasses. Yeah, it's one guy. Which is the most generic look. You Everybody looks like it's that. It's one so man. Like, I got to narrow the field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you never know who that is. Yeah. It's kind of fun. Yeah. It's like you like red cars, and here's a red Focus, and here's a red Prius. Yeah. And you get the red Mustang that's sending all the dick pics. That's, yeah. <laughs> Mustang pick, not good. Well, I'm happy that, that it's going well. What What is a, in a week, can you juggle? It sounds like you can juggle. You're I'm, not going to, like, commit? Uh, no, I'm juggling, but it's a lot of, it's mostly, like, one to two dates, and they'll all fall. Like, you'll have, like, three people up in the air, and then, and then what? they'll all go. Because I'm fascinated with that. That sounds, you're, like, you're, 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 you know, a smart person. Mm-hmm. And I'm not when it came to that. I did that very briefly. <laughs> Don't assume that I'm uh, smart when it comes to this stuff. Well, if you're doing it fearlessly, and it yeah. sounds like you are. I like. I remember going out with a girl, and it was only a couple dates, but I still feel like the need to break break up, which is so nuts. I really do think that's pretty Oh, you mean nuts. break up with a person that you've only been out with how many times? Yep, three, four times. Uh, and then you feel like you have to call them or whatever it is. I liked, and this is a big argument, because some people are like, you have to call. And I'm like, but nobody wants to be on the other side of that phone call. So right. if I send a really nice text or email, then it's like they get the news I'm being honest. You're and you doing don't have breakup. to get the live, oh, uh, Yeah, like and then the noises. person is like, no, no, it's fine. I was thinking that too. You know, just, yeah. That's... It's a horrible phone call. I wouldn't want to be on that phone call. So You're treating them how you wish to be treated, actually. Yeah. I would rather an email... Although it feels very corporate, but fuck it, man, it's not the 1600s. Yeah, you can <laughs> you send an emo- one girl. Yeah, I wouldn't end a relationship on a text message. Yeah, but if we've been out three times. Hey, can I tell you? Here's a weird one, mm-hmm. just for fun. Yeah, great. Just for two people that like stories. Yeah, met a girl, hung out, we started having sex. <laughs> great. <laughs> And it was after maybe two or three times that we had hung out and had sex. It was as I was, like, getting dressed to, like, leave. Because it wasn't, like, a stay over thing just yet. We had never slept together. We had slept together, but it's not slept together. So anyway, I, I was making fun of my own impulse to make a joke about how we had slept together. Okay. Fucking style, but not actually slept together. Oh, I see what you mean. Intimate style. All right, go on. Yeah, okay, I'm with just, you now. I just shut down my own joke and just confused. But I want to hear the rest of the story. But it was in that moment, so I'm putting on, like, some fucking sex cowboy. I'm <laughs> just putting on my shoes. And in that moment, I got the overwhelming urge to be like, tell her now. Oh. I know. But you see, are we right now acting on a stereotype that women through the vagina are activated a magical, mystical love space? Uh, so wait, you're saying that... Uh, I, I Which get- I'm not going to disagree with necessarily, but I wonder... After I sleep with somebody, uh, not always, but yeah, yeah gener- and it generally it's after the fact. Like, even if I'm like, I don't think I like them, you want them to want you, at least. For sure. 
There is that. Well, I didn't. Bit. Wait, so I, you did I break sh- up with her? No, 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 no. I sure did not. Oh, okay, okay. And I, I think that was the right choice. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm just positing it because obviously when I tell that story, I'm like, why did I even think about it? But, you know, there's different types of sex. And it wasn't like lovey-dovey. And it certainly wasn't, you know, wham, wham, bam. Mm-hmm. But it was somewhere in between. Yeah. And we just, we in that moment, we really just felt like friends that have these parts that can do these things. Yeah, which is nice. <laughs> yeah, and it was nice. I'm not saying it wasn't bad. It wasn't me getting dressed going like, oh, God, what was that about? Yeah. It was just like, that was nice, but I don't think I want to keep doing this. Yeah. So I waited a while, and then we did it later. We, we broke up later. But it, but In I've person never, or over the phone? It was over the phone. No good? No, that's totally good. I thought it was good. Yeah. Because as many people that listen to this, I'm talking too much. No. I have done the thing where I've driven across the city to meet somebody for coffee just to break up. That's horrible. Well, if it's, I mean, it's, if you've been dating a while, I guess you have to do that. We've but been that dating a while, horrible. but it was long distance. We'd probably gone out maybe 10 times. Oh. Right on the line. Match point. Could have gone either way. Yeah. What, oh, so, how so, long? Oh, go on. No, you, I, I'm talking too much. Ask me a this question. This happens a lot. You're gracious. You have like a good energy and like a big idiot like me. I love it. I'll steamroll it. Though. I want to hear your story. So stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me where you, so you go out a couple times and then you'll just let it go if you're not feeling it. Yeah. What is the deal? Let's talk about some deal breakers. Uh, <laughs> okay. I'm trying to think about recent ones. Oh, well, this was, uh, I don't. Actually, I don't even know if the guy knows my last name. So I don't. So <laughs> I'm not. And there's a lot of things that are, if I liked the person, they wouldn't be deal breakers. I understand. But like, if you're already not feeling it, and then there are certain things that you're like. Let's just say this safe place, obviously. And uh-huh. we're not just playing a mean game to razz the dudes. I'm just interested in like those moments where you go, okay. Okay, so this happened recently. So. I had met a guy, we met over at Tinder in like December or something, went for one beer. I kind of thought like, oh, this guy's nice. It was really quick for some reason. It was fine. We texted a bunch over the break. I was out of the country and then it just sort of fizzled. We never saw each other again. <laughs> then uh, about a month ago, I get a text from him out of nowhere being like, hey, do you remember me? Do you want to hang out again? And I kind of thought, oh, that's nice. It's been so long, whatever. We go out, we have another like quick beer one time. <laughs> And uh, he didn't smell great. That's not, he didn't smell he great. He did not smell great. But here's I'm so glad you brought yeah. it up. There are people that I that I used to date, and and now if I see them, I smell them, and I'm like, what the fuck was I thinking? Uh-huh. It's oh. so interesting. Yeah. And I've broken things because of smells because I think, and I've said this so many times on the podcast, but I'm going to make it real fast. They do this thing called pheromone dating, where you sleep in a t-shirt for three nights, and people smell it, and then if you like it, you go out with the person. Oh, that's cool. Because it's this weird evolutionary thing, like. My like Val to me smells great. Like mm-hmm. she, you know, and I've had other girlfriends where I'm like, you smell weird. Oh, like, re- and you were with them for a long period of time. I've been with people for a while. Yeah, sure. Where I'm kind of like, and then here's the other thing. Sometimes a woman has a baby, and then her smell changes to accommodate the baby. And there's this phenomenon where the guy can sometimes be repulsed by the new smell of his wife. Oh, that would be horrific. And oh she's yeah, just tired and she, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she gets in bed smelling. He thinks it's baby throw up, but it's her. I've liked all of the, the guys I've dated have all smelled very good. There you so go. My last boyfriend, like, I'd hug him and I would smell, sniff his neck. And yeah. And he was like, this is really, it makes me really uncomfortable when you It shouldn't. Like, yeah. It's the most base form <laughs> yeah. of community. It's the most base form of intercourse. It's like their smell entering you mm-hmm. and vice versa. It's very intimate and good. But I don't think there's somebody I didn't like their smell. I don't, I don't know how I could proceed. I had a girl who smelled so bad to me. But I didn't. I, we didn't really date, but we were friends. Uh, that I would send other people over and be like, 
can you tell me if that person smells bad? And they would be like, no. And I was like, this is when I started piecing it together. Wait, they didn't think she smelled They didn't think she smelled. And I was like, that smells to me like this. And it wasn't like shit or anything. I was like, it just smells off. It's so weird how biology determines What the fuck is I know and your fucking genes? I was sitting on a plane with a hip surgeon. I was like, I do yoga, like trying to brag. And Uh he was like, doesn't matter. He's like, it's 100% genetic. He's like, I will be doing surgery on you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's horrible. So anyway, he smelled bad Uh, to you. Yeah, yeah. So that was a deal breaker. Oh, I do want to say a separate thing is there's a guy a couple years ago who I went out with, and he'd say, he said on the first date, I there's something about my smell that's very appealing to women. And he's like, I think that there are women that have dated me like longer than they wanted to because of my smell. And he said that to like date one or two, I knew that. And then I did like sleep with him way longer than I kind of wanted to. And because he was of an good ass- smell? He was an asshole. And it's, yeah, he just, he did smell. There was something about the him that smelled amazing. I can't believe we're stuck in these things. Yeah. Isn't it humiliating? Well, <laughs> it's humiliating. This is something. This is something. I'm really all over topics wise. I Please. hope that's cool. But like, and I like to not admit this because it's like, there's nothing more annoying than if a man would be like, oh, are you, are you getting your period? Like, do you have PMS? Like, right. you know, I don't want to do that for women, but our PMS does get worse as we get older. And there are times where I'll have a couple days where I'm just like, I hate my fucking life. Mm. I'm questioning everything. I'm angry and emotional. And then I'll get my period. Uh, is this great that I'm talking about? No, this? I love this. But, but I'll then, meet you right there. Go ahead. And then I'm just like, oh my God, it was biology. This has nothing to do yep. with what's actually happening in my mind. It's biology. I'll tell you this. Mm-hmm. Uh, just for sake of a soundbite, there's almost part of me that envies the PMS period. Hear me out. Uh-huh. I know it's unpleasant. Uh-huh. But where I'm meeting you, and I can't compare because I've never been a woman, uh-huh. I'm telling you that I have these periods, periods, uh-huh. times in my life where I have the same thing. I- I've said this on the podcast before. Tried it on stage, it doesn't really work, but it's like a guy period where you're like, this shirt is my favorite shirt and I just look so fat in this shirt. Uh-huh. Or like, I can't motivate myself to do the things that I like. I hate my friends. Like, mm-hmm. I catch myself craving like carbohydrates and sugar and like just shutting it down. Yeah. Now, to go back to the weird thing that I said, for the sake of being weird, that I envy up here, I don't really, but I like the idea that you could blame it on something. Because what I'm left with after a three-day, like, you know, vegan ice cream and, and, and jerking off or nap or whatever uh-huh. it was that I was doing uh-huh. to medicate, I go, if I could at least go, oh, it was the westerly winds. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if I could look in a, in a farmer's almanac and go, Orion was overhead. <laughs> yeah. At least. It was Orion. It was probably Orion. <laughs> you can say there's something internally happening. Yes. That's the only positive spin I can put on a period. Is it, that, Like, because the way you said it, you went, oh, I had my period. Thank God it was just my biology. Yeah. But it's all. But then there's also the times where I'm in a shitty mood and I'm like, I'm going to get my period any day now. And then yeah, like, yeah, oh, it's know. like I got it a week ago. I'm, oh, just I'm a, a terrible crazy person. person. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out I'm just a bad person. No, no, no. But I will say there, like, I'm not very attuned, and we live in a city where everybody's just like, I, I got a pimple, and then I realized I drank a glass of milk yesterday. Right. So everybody's a two. But it could be like you were drink, eating too many carbs that week. There could be something you just don't know what it is. I believe it, but I'm I'm fascinated with manufacturing will. Like, if you could sell, sell a will pill, a pill that will give you the will mm-hmm. to do things, mm-hmm. I think that's what we're really after. When you're watching an infomercial about uh, time, T22, or whatever, I forget. There's I a, haven't watched the infomercial I love infomercials. <laughs> there's, one, there's a workout that's 20 minutes. Okay. And there's a guy that goes, time, T2020. <laughs> <laughs> and he looks awesome. And he, oh, he looks but great. But he wor- only works out 20 minutes a day. He's amazing. And they all come with meal plans. Uh-huh. 
That's something I've ordered when I was like 16. I would uh-huh. order like the Easy Crunch and you'd open it and be like, I'm going to get abs. And then it would come with a meal plan. It was like, hey, stop eating cake. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Fatty, this isn't going to – this piece of junk <laughs> like, you bought yeah. isn't going to do it. Unless the only hope the Easy Crunch has is if you follow the Easy Crunch meal plan. But anyway, it's – when you're in that moment, when you buy a book – you're fantasizing about the will to read the book. When mm-hmm. you're watching an infomercial, you're fantasizing about the will to exercise. And we dip in and out. Sometimes we have it and sometimes we don't. Mm-hmm. And and that's, I think, one of the big struggles of life. I Well, being in Meltdown reminds me of that because I, well, I dated a comic book writer for a little while. And mm-hmm. I got he got me into graphic novels and he was really good at picking out things that I would like. And so I went through a period. I bought so many of them and I've read so few of them. That's right. And even like I'm down here, I could buy like five right now. That's and right. I don't know that I'll ever buy them. Notebooks, them. books, certainly for me, books, mm-hmm. but also notebooks, the potential to do something. We love we love these investments in this pretend like, future. I'm going to be, yeah. I bought, um, I went to Blick Art Supply Store because I went, and this was now years ago, I went to a party. It was a Super Bowl superb owl party. So you could either watch the Super Bowl or paint owls. Uh, it was a cool party. And so I painted owls because I, I don't give a shit about sports. I'm still just in awe of this idea. <laughs> I can't Superb tell if you like it or not. <laughs> oh, I love it. This is the face of discomfort I make when I missed something. Yeah, no, it was a great party. And I that was years ago, and I had such a nice time painting. And so recently I was like, I'm going to get into this. I went to Blick. I spent probably $150 yep. on canvases. And, and the lady said, she's like, how much do you think you'll paint? And I said, very honestly, probably once, and then I'll never pick it up again. But I was wrong because it's the bag is still in my closet and I've never Zero. done it one time. Oh, when you said I was wrong, I was like, oh, you got into a frenzy of painting. <laughs> no. This is what I'm talking about. Painting is a great example for me too because uh, Val was out of town and she – and uh, like sometimes I just go off the rails in, in a sense. It's nothing crazy but like I'll, I'll become very reclusive. Mm-hmm. And then uh, – so I'm not doing those things that make you feel – that we know – that's one of the big contradictions. We know the things that make us feel alive and then we don't do them. And then like painting or doing anything creative. Think about it. Right now we can romanticize it. It's like you, you set it up in the room and you play music. Mm-hmm. And I, li- I like uh, drinking and you can drink while you paint. Yeah. And it's, it's just amazing. And at the end you have a thing uh-huh. that you made. It's one of the best feelings, and then and, I yeah. don't do it. Well, it's also it's meditative, <laughs> and I like anything creative that I that my ego isn't attached to. Like, there's no part of me that's like, oh, I'm going to be a great painter because I'm extremely hard on myself isn't when it comes great? to work. And so it would be the perfect thing. It's like this is a craft, and I don't. If I make a shitty owl, it doesn't matter. My ego is not bruised by that. That's great, but I don't do it. I that that anything. reminds me of uh, I'm, I'm I'm back into Joseph Campbell these days. I love Joseph Campbell, and he talks about uh, reading other religions without the burden of literal truth because you have a chance of getting it. Mm-hmm. So it's like have other hobbies without the burden of making it your career. Totally. Because you have a chance of getting it. Yeah. You're like, I'm not going to – because I have the same thing. No part of me – I'm not attached at all to people being like, great paintings. Yeah. Let's sell that. Yeah. Like, what a dumb idea. That's why I always – actually, stand-up and why I loved it so much is because I never wanted to be a stand-up. It was always just for fun. I always wanted to be a writer. Ooh. And so it was fun because for stand-up, it was like, you know, you watch other comics, be jealous of each other. You got premium blend. You got a half hour. And it was kind of like, ha-ha, I don't give a fuck who got a half hour. It was really nice. That's really great. And do you not do it anymore? I don't, but I was going to do some shows this summer. Oh, fun. Just for kicks. Yeah, just for kicks. Shits and gigs. Yeah. Well, I was wearing, I bought, uh, over the holidays, I bought a onesie from Roots. You all right? I got a pinch in my... 
in my back. It's not my hip. What did I say about my hip? Well, you were saying that you have hip problems. That <laughs> <laughs> no, I pinched my back doing yoga today. I haven't been in months, and I pinched my back. That's why I don't go to yoga that often because I've had weird injuries from really? it. Really? Yeah. It's the weirdest thing because now if I Google that, it'll be like, stretch. I got it from stretch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so keep going. I'm sorry. That really was a sharp pain. I don't remember. <laughs> you oh. were saying stand-up. I like doing it. Summer dates. Uh, oh, yeah. No, because also over the winter, I bought a onesie, like a sweatsuit onesie. <laughs> and like it's just like it was like the best thing that ever happened to me. And I started thinking about a lot of onesie-related jokes. And I thought, oh, let's uh, get on stage and talk about this onesie. Oh, my God. You just do it when that like overwhelming urgency comes. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, do you and you don't mind? Do you feel like you lose it a little bit? Oh well, that's and that's also why it's now been like a couple years since I've done stand up, and I am like, oh, I, like I'm gonna suck for a little bit, and that's gonna bother me because I know I used to be pretty right, good, right? Um, and I also hate, you know, like kind of shitting on an audience. I feel like it's just like for an audience to come out and see live comedy, you want to give them your best stuff. Oh, And I it's see. like I haven't had the time or I haven't been practicing, so then it's like I might not be giving yeah, them my best. That's but I'll try my best. <laughs> <laughs> it won't be on you. So what are other deal breakers? I just remembered I oh. you only did one. I'll try and think of some uh, for me. Oh, no. Well, so this, okay, so this, oh, deal breakers. Uh, I could tell the rest of the story. Oh, yeah, please. But I'm trying to think of what my deal breakers are. I'm not. I'm a little bit racist against tattoo people. I thought you were going to say against Koreans or something. Oh, no, no, and I'd just no. be like, "Wow, very honest." <laughs> we're going to very edit that honest. Out. <laughs> You're racist against tattoo people. I don't mind a couple. I find kind of sexy, but yep. like a guy, and especially on Tinder, there's like I a would say almost fifty percent of guys shirtless, like covered in tattoos. Really? It's, yeah. Not it's, just the one John Mayer bad boy arm. No, it's like the whole body. Yeah. Like they got or, into CrossFit and then they just started tattooing. Yeah. Other other impulsive life decisions. So that's yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah, no, I understand. A lot of tattoos. I, although I, I I have that sort of thing where I, I find the Suicide Girls. You know, they sell that book. Here, yeah, when they're all kind of like curvy tattoo women. You think it's hot? I do think that's hot. Yeah, and it's not even uh, in that sort of like. Uh, this is kind of weird to say. I don't think it's trashy. I think it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's it, like there's a way that you could do it where you're slumming. You're like, imagine the having sex with one of those. But I, I'm just like, no, that's that's lovely. And if you have pink hair, I think that's lovely. So it's not just the taboo of it. I think that is attractive. But then at the same time, this is a big you know point of of humanity. Is like you can find that's very attractive, and then you're like, would I want to like be with somebody like that? And I don't. I don't know. I never. I never really dated a tattooy person. And it is weird for me, like what the line is between like how. Sometimes I'm how attracted to it. I don't know. I can't explain it. Right. Well, I'll tell you because it, it's it's uh, it's less personal. I suppose if I see a guy with tattoos, especially a young guy with tattoos, I'm always like, "Come on, man." There's no T-shirt I want to wear every day. Yeah, you know what I mean. And like, you're making this decision that fits so you so perfectly now. Mm-hmm. But like, it just. Ten years from now, I had an ex-boyfriend. He had like a he was like in an angry phase in high school, and he got like this devil on his back. And I actually thought it was very funny because like he hated it. I was like, I want to get it removed. I was so angry. I, it was such a stupid thing. Yeah, it really made me laugh, and I would always try to get pictures of uh... it just because it's like, <laughs> yeah, why would you have ever gotten this like angry devil? Right. <laughs> the first girl I dated after my marriage, she had tattoos, and she hated all of them too. Mm-hmm. That's the thing is, you've just met enough of those people that's like, we never uh, would have gotten this again. Uh-huh. Some. Ch- 
Chinese symbol or something. And you're like, it was so cool at the time. But then there are other times my ex-wife actually wanted to get a tattoo right before we broke up. She was we, going through some shit. Yeah, she was. Yeah, she was yeah. going through some shit. <laughs> yeah, that's right. She was like getting devils drawn on her back to see if she likes them. No, she wanted this uh, flower mm-hmm. on her on her clavicle. Okay. Yeah, that's the right response. I mean, there's a lovely way to do that. But then, like, I became so much more invested in how it should look, mm-hmm. and my taste was more in the like kind of fine line. Sorry to use a very uh, heteronormative term, but like a feminine kind of elegant. Uh, stroke. And then she goes to this uh, tattoo shop. We both go uh, in New York and they just kind of like drew on the most like Ed Hardy, uh. like kind of colored with dots and just like look like a comic. And she was like, yeah, I like that. That's And cool. you just had to lie. I, I don't even think I lied. Oh. Maybe that's why we got divorced. <laughs> but I was just like, I think it was after I saw that one, I was like, what about something like this? And Mm -hmm. then I kind of drew something and showed her some Googles and stuff. And she's like, oh, yeah, that would be better. I'm like, dude, you almost got this one. Yeah. Like, we're making – it's like picking a nose. Yeah. (laughs) It's a big deal. Give some thought to your nose. (laughs) It's (laughs) going to be there. Yeah. (laughs) And, like, she she just seems so casual about it. And a lot of people that get tattoos seem to have that sort of – Impulse, mm-hmm. and, and I guess maybe that's what makes me envy them. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm <laughs> impulsive, but not in that way. You are I'm too neurotic and couldn't couldn't pick one out, and yeah, yeah. Um, so I had to lie recently. My best friend, uh, she'd done ayahuasca, and she mm. wanted to do it before she did. And she's like very spiritual. She's gone to school for therapy, and she lives in Santa Cruz. So it's like, yes, you should do it. You're going to be she's nervous. I was like, you're going to be great. Yeah, she does it. It's this great experience. She feels awesome. Then she calls me and she's like, Allie, but she'd already booked this trip to go to Ecuador for 10 days in the middle of the jungle with nobody she knows. And she's going to do ayahuasca six times in 10 days. Yeah. And she was like, Allie, I'm a little nervous. Like, tell me it's going to be okay. And of course, like she'd already planned it. It's happening. Tickets are purchased. But I was like, what the fuck is she thinking? Did you say that to her? No, I was like, you're going to be great. She was like, it, what got me through the last time was knowing that you said I was going to oh, be okay. Oh, don't so that's- hinge your good trip on me. <laughs> yeah, no, and so I was just like, going to be great, but I'm not a wonderful liar. Has she done it? Oh, okay. She's there now, and it's like checking WhatsApp like constantly, because she's in the jungle right now, so I won't be able to hear from her for a little bit. It's not my favorite week. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I definitely I've had was friends like, that are like, I've had female friends that are like, I'm going to the jungle, uh, doing probably that same trip. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I've been to the I've been to the Amazon. Uh-huh. I'm like, it's the last place I'd be like, let's go skydiving in our minds. Yeah, let's like voluntarily take a drug that makes us diarrhea. Yeah. And you're going to be in the jungle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. It's the Taco Bell of drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Although uh, this weird hippie, uh, who, who I think is very interesting, David Wolf did this podcast, and he said... He took ayahuasca, then he took it in the jungle. And when he took it in the jungle, he was like, oh, this is the only place you should take it. Why? Just because it's so beautiful? It's probably because of the beauty. Although I don't know how visual of a trip that is. Most people close their eyes and lay on their backs, sort of thing. I don't know. Would you do that? No, I wouldn't. I I did a bunch of drugs in my time. Which ones? Uh, uh, I was into mushrooms and ecstasy. Together? Isn't that called hippie flipping? Uh, no, well, acid and ecstasy <laughs> is candy flipping. I tried that once. That was acid actually fun. Acid and ecstasy. Oh, yeah. candy flipping. I, I don't know. There's different terms for them. Wow. I hope my mom like? doesn't listen to this podcast. Wouldn't you want your mom... Like, I was just thinking about this. My dad and mom were, like, at their prime in the 60s and 60s. Oh, so and they, 70s. they had a nice time. 
No. Oh. I've heard no tell. <laughs> okay. That's a, you know, one of the big things about this podcast is doing it with the full knowledge that someday my my kids, if I have kids, will hear it or at least have access to it. I'm like, great. Mm-hmm. Like, where are my parents' stories? They tell me stories like a big story in my family is that my dad wouldn't share his pancakes with my uncle, and then he didn't want to finish them, and then my dad was like, well, you wouldn't share with Larry, so you have to finish the pancakes. That's called the pancake story. Uh-huh. How about... <laughs> how that about, doesn't need a name, that one. It's going to have to need a title. Well, whenever we wouldn't share with my brother or something, they go, remember the pancake story, Peter, Peter! <laughs> tell it's me like th- the punishment is we're going to tell you the pancake story again. <laughs> <laughs> it becomes you- a next level of appreciation <laughs> is you have to sit through the story again. But I mean, like, where is the story? Like, it's not just because I'm 36. I was, I think I was ready. Like, you could have peppered these stories throughout my childhood and been like, I did this and some sort of lesson from it. Mm-hmm. I would have liked to have known if my parents have done acid. I don't know if they have. You, and you, what if you called them up and said, tell me about it? What would happen? Wow. Like, I, I, I could, my dad hasn't done it, okay. is, my, is my guess. Oh, no, Peter, no, no. I, I, I would never into any of that stuff, Peter. He would, but then, like, I don't know if that's true. Mm-hmm. Like, they, I know they all had wild times. Like, wouldn't you love to watch a film of your parents' lives? Yeah, there's one story that my mom tells. My mom barely, my parents don't really drink. And my mom, I guess, like, was on a date with a guy, and they each drank a beer, or they like climbed up a ladder to like the, his, the roof of his parents' house, and they each drank a beer. And then she was like really dizzy and like nervous to climb down the ladder. And that's like one of the last times she ever drank. <laughs> so because she just had one beer on a roof. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's She's like your... I'd rather have the calories. Like eat a piece of cake. I'd rather eat a piece of cake. But I would like to see it's my mom climbing the down the ladder. <laughs> I'm only on the caloric. Yeah, because she had to do it. Yeah. They, I don't think. I think that's kind of the point. Of the brutal, brutal, whatever, transparency of the show is it's like, what what could you tell me? Mm-hmm. You're my parents. Yeah. Like, y- y- are you afraid that I will love you less if you're like, one time, Peter, I took acid at Fenway Park. <laughs> I swear, no more Garcia Power. It was recently. <laughs> <laughs> no more Garcia Power looked me right in the face and told me time is, a, is an illusion. I'd be like, that's great. That's well, amazing, yeah, Dad. Thank you for telling me. So you did Mushrooms... Yeah, oh, mushrooms. Oh, you ecstasy. were telling me about yeah, I went LSD. To, uh, I had done that a couple times. It did not. I generally did not go well. LSD. Yeah, it was not good. Just because too intense. Yeah, and again, that's why I would never do ayahuasca. It's just mentally just too much going on, and then right. not in. And those thoughts and weird feelings don't go away for well, a long time. I believe that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I understand that. You know, I think the appeal of the ayahuasca is bringing. Again, Joseph Campbell talks about how we've lost ceremony. Mm -hmm. So we have – it's brilliant. He talks about this thing where like Western religion has shifted from a transcendent experience, something that's supposed to bring you to God and and kind of been reduced into ethics. Mm -hmm. I think it's like an ethics course. Yeah. Like people go to be like, uh, should I steal – should I fuck my neighbor's wife? Yeah. And it's just like this this kind of garbage Sunday school for adults. And it, and then, you know, Campbell did a lot of work in the 70s. And they were like, so all these kids taking acid and stuff. He was like, well, they're looking for the experience. And that's their way in. The church has failed them mm-hmm. when it comes to some sort of religious, rapturous experience. So they've turned to drugs. The problem with, and he actually talks about people having bad trips. And he talks about there's no ceremony to it. Mm-hmm. So the whole, like 
high church, stained glass, incense, praying, singing, fasting of it all is to lead you up to the tripping balls part. So, like, he talks about, like, there's Native Americans that will go and hunt peyote, uh, but they'll shoot it with little bows and arrows. Mm -hmm. Like, they'll shoot the plant, completely unnecessary, because there's no more buffalo. So they took the buffalo hunting uh, ceremony and put it onto onto the... Peyote. Oh, that's cool. You could just pick up the peyote and eat it, mm-hmm. but they're trying to manufacture this sort of reverence. So you're, but you would never, do, even though you're very into spirituality, you wouldn't do any of those things. Which ones? Like ayahuasca or peyote or any? No, I, I, you're right. I didn't really finish my point. I think the appeal of the ayahuasca is you, your girl, uh, your friend, is going to an ayahuasca ceremony. Right. So here is a shaman, and right away you're kind of like, oh, here's somebody that's not going to be taking it, who's going to be here to guide me. Right. He's done it before. They light incense. They sing songs, and the songs are timed out. And people that have done ayahuasca tell me that the experience kind of syncs up with the music in this really strange way. Okay. And uh, I think, you know, Probably people do obviously have quote unquote bad experiences on ayahuasca, but it's very different from taking LSD in the back of a cab, right? Because your friends are doing it, right? Like, why wouldn't you have a bad trip? You are already having a bad trip. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But if, you know, if you if you meet it, it's intention, and that doesn't have to be mystical. If if you plan a date night. Or if you plan a birthday party mm-hmm. and you want it to go a certain way, there's a better chance it'll go that way because right. you've given it some thought. That's true. Although I've had wonderful birthdays where Nick Thune one time for my birthday just took me to a steakhouse. This was years ago and we just got day drunk. It was one of my favorite oh, birthdays. Oh, that's terrific. One of my favorite birthdays ever. So it kind of flies in the face like of Like an impromptu. Ugh. The worst – this is a very long story, but the worst uh, – I did acid once. I was with a friend and we'd been hanging out with these guys and I had a crush on one of the guys. And uh, and so it's like one o'clock in the morning or so. It's very late, and this guy came in, Leo, that was also staying with my friend, and he was he had he was a drug dealer, and he had a <laughs> bunch of acid and ecstasy, and he was like, "Who wants?" And he had a dropper of liquid acid, which I had done acid once, it did not go well. Mm. But part, my friend Shira just like took it; she had no problem doing that. And I'm like, Ugh. and then it was me, and then the guy I liked to my right. So part of me is like, I it was I was very young. But part of me was like, oh, I want, if he's going to do it, I want to have this experience with him. Not that that would have gone well, but I was like, but it was me first. And so I did it and he put it on and then the guy was like, no fucking way. And I was like, oh no. And then I was tripping for like 12 hours and it was like the worst 12 hours of my life. I, it's a, it's an audio, it's an audio show, but my, my jaw is on the floor. <laughs> yeah. I it's so stupid. I can I can believe every part of that story. And I actually think there's something kind of metaphorical going on there is you're looking for this love union sort of thing and then you end up going off alone and just with, being, I ended up with Leo because she oh, had to go work at Starbucks. She had a shift at Starbucks and so she had to leave at like five o'clock in the morning. Oh my god. Still tripping. Yeah, but she was fine. She had like the best day. She was just like, we went to visit her at Starbucks and she was just like serving up coffees. And I was just, I was on a walking with Leo and just like the worst. Yeah. Perfect name. Leo. Leo. Who wants acid? <laughs> the one bad trip the, that I had, uh, and you know, it wasn't like, I'd love to hear more details about yours, was I was with a girl that I had a crush on. And I didn't feel like she was into it. And then you have this like terrible experience. Oh, and how long did it last? Uh, it actually, you know, it wasn't that bad. It was, it was pretty scary. It was, I had never had it happen where uh, it was very involuntary. Every other time I had done it, you like stare at something and it starts to kind of play with you. This was just the entire world just started melting. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, everything's melting. Oh. And then you feel like, 
is this hitting the other people? This are they also melting? And like everything was very sinister. So I was I remember looking at like a, a beam in the ceiling and just being like, well, that's a cool beam. Just like relax and look at the beam. It was like I was going ninety and I wanted I was used to going like twenty five. Yeah. And so I'm going ninety and the beam like just turns into this dragon that's snapping at me and I'm like I don't like this. I'm gonna close my eyes and I close my eyes and other things Horrible. are happening and I'm just like oh there's no escape. So then I found the one part of the room I could look at. And I stared at that for as long as I could. And then after a while, I got up and I was like, it, again, it was the drugs had calmed down. Uh-huh. And I got up and I was like, no, let's have fun now. And then it was very weird. Yeah. Like I was like, now we're going to have fun. And, and, and then we did. Oh, that's good. <laughs> and then did you did you stay together after that? Or you were or you the, just the like, three of us? Yeah. Uh, oh, no, wait, but then there was a girl that you liked. The girl that I liked and this other fellow. Uh-huh. And then we all did them. And they were kind of having questionable times, too. But did the girl that you liked, did you end up being together? No, no, that? no. Oh, okay. Nope. 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 That nope. did it. That pretty nope. much did it. Although this guy, Alex Gray, who I would love to have on the show, he's this wonderful artist. He's the guy that does those paintings that look like you're tripping. Uh-huh. You've probably seen them. Okay. It doesn't matter. He's been married for, like... 40 years to the same woman and they met at a party while they were on acid. Oh, that's lovely. And they were both just kind of like, oh. Connected, but that's amazing. And stayed. Yeah. Still together. 40 years. And like huge art, like their art merged into one art. It just like this gorgeous... Unbelievable story. Have you seen Vicky Cristina Barcelona? Have I seen Cristina? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I have. I can't say it, but I have seen it. Uh, I just rewatched it <clears throat> recently, and it's I like I think it's never going to happen. But I was like, oh, a volatile art relationship would be fun. Maybe Why for just not? like a couple months. Why not do it? Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, I would like I would I would like to go to Orvieto with you. <laughs> And she's just like looking at his dick. It's so great. She's just like putting on and she's staring at his dick when he's saying that. And it's so great. Well, that movie to me, we were talking about the two us's, right? Mm -hmm. Vicky, Mm -hmm. Scarlett Johansson, is the will to do things, to Mm -hmm. be new and explore. And then we have this other voice in us, which is Christina, Mm -hmm. which is like, think of the future. Yeah. But because you can't always be in the moment. Otherwise, you're only on small planes to Orvieto. Right. But you also can't just... Or you end up with that stiff tax guy. Great movie. Yeah, it was so good. Such a good movie. Um, but yeah, I, I kept thinking about it with in, in the Oviedo scene where Scarlett Johansson is just like, I would love to, and she's staring at his penis and saying, I'd love to go to Oviedo with you. And I was like, I'm not a dick stare. Yeah. Like, I never, like, I'm confident and I'll ask people out, but like, right. I'm not, I've never like put on the moves in that way. And then she gets sick. Uh, yeah, and then she got sick, yeah. We drink some wine. See, he's great because he's he's very transparent. Yeah. He's just like, well, maybe we make love. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, oh, sure, mister. And he's like, he's like, oh, yeah, maybe we would. That's yeah. the best way. That is the sexiest man moment mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Oh. It's one of them. Penelope Cruz. Both of them. That's like an explosion of hotness. I two. know. God. And then you know, uh, we could talk about this for a very long time. But, like, how do we do that? Like, sometimes... Like, I was recently drinking uh, sake with TJ, mm-hmm. and he was telling me about Japan. And drunk Pete, or, you know, lubricated Pete, is uh-huh. like, we gotta go. Yeah, I wanna go. We gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> well, you wanna go right now sober. That's great. Yeah. But then sometimes sober Pete is just kind of like, ah, what am I gonna have, 10,000 people around me at every moment? Mm-hmm. Like, you just wanna be there. 
and then maybe and had the option to leave. But yeah. you realize that that's like a huge flight, and, and then that's when uh, Christina shows up. Yeah, and she's like, mm, it's a lot of money. Yeah, and Vicky is just like, let's stare at some Asian dick. Yeah. I, I went, Lauren, the Santa Cruz one, and I went to Colombia. We were both going through breakups, and we went on this, like, adventure to Colombia. And I was just talking to somebody about Colombia. It's, I will not go back. No, it, really? It's beautiful. We went four cities in ten days, which was just a mistake. Yeah. It was just too much. But it was like, we had an adventure. We went on a boat. Like, we, we it was like a... We went to this like weird secluded beach and did cocaine with a bunch of random guys. <laughs> like it was like a fantastic adventure. Colombian but I was cocaine. So fucking tired. And yeah, that's the part of me that's like, oh, I just why didn't I just go to like a hotel somewhere and sit on the beach and read mm. self help books? Well, which is it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I make this decision every day. It's not just these like, where are we going to vacation? But I'm like, what is life? What is the best life? And is it? You know, uh, sometimes it is just putting blankets out on some grass and just – that's it. Mm -hmm. You just kind of kick it. Some of the best days of my life. Yeah. We had that recently. Uh, you know, it's summertime now and uh, we, put a, we put a beach blanket just on the yard. We have a very small yard but we're like, fuck it. This is, this is our little patch of sun and there were bees flying around and I got the hose very moderate. We're in a water crisis but like the tiniest little bursts of water to get the bees to fly away from you. us. I won't judge you. I won't judge you. Well, I was hosing them. I was hosing <laughs> them. Look, the sprinklers are off but the bees were getting too close. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then the mist from these little bursts of water, and I really just mean the tiniest burst, would like come back on us and we were really hot and it would make you giggle like children. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we, uh, we smoked a little marijuana and we're looking at the clouds and we're like, you know, a very high thought where you're like, we should look at the clouds more. And then there was a rainbow and we're like, this is fucking amazing. Yeah. And it was. So that to me, that's my juice right there. Yeah. I have very few stories where I'm like, it was 1 a.m., but we went to Bar Lubitsch. Yeah, like, no. does, well, It's not as fun to me. That's a terrible place to go at 1 a.m. Uh, <laughs> you know, like I have my four cities in four to, in seven days moments, but then I'm also worried, like, are we missing out? Is there something, capital S, somewhere happening that we wish we were doing? Uh. Or is the juice at home? Yeah, I don't. Uh, there was this married couple at this barbecue I was at yesterday, and they were talking. They have multiple kids, and they were saying, you know, we spent the day in bed. They didn't have the kids on Saturday, or I guess last Saturday. They spent the day in bed, and he was just like, you know, part of me wanted to just relax, and part of me was like, we should do a day like we did when we were single, or like when we were right. just married without kids, where we like and they like, go downtown to see galleries and then take the subway somewhere. And I was like, I'm single. I've never had that day. Yeah. Like I just like I sit at home a lot. I think I go to dinners. I think there's a correlation t- t- between I could be wrong, being funny mm-hmm. and having the type of social anxiety uh, and awareness that keeps you inside. A lot. Right. <laughs> I can't speak for everybody because they're certainly guileless, extroverted, always want to do the next thing. People that are funny, that's for sure. But I also know a lot of them that I'm like, oh, you lack the certain discomfort. That will make me funnier than you forever. <laughs> I can call you and be like, do you want to go uh, do kundalini yoga with me? You've never done it at 3 p.m. today. And you'll be like, yeah, yeah, I'm there. Yeah, there's no thought of like, oh, am I going to like that? Is yeah. It gonna, yeah. What if I'm in a weird class and 20 minutes in they start ringing gongs and they light incense and they start giving me a massage I don't want? They're just like, I'll be there. And like, I envy that guy, but I don't know if that guy is as as funny as a neurotic. Like, look at a Woody, a Wood, a Woodrow Allen. Yeah, 
You're right. Then I feel good about myself now. I there's a lot of girls like I know some actresses that live in Silver Lake and they'll t- like I don't know them super well, but they're like let's do bar method together. Which, What's that? It's like a it's like a pop physique. It's like one of those like toning kind of okay. workout classes. And part of me is like, oh, yeah, that's like a good way. Like you'll motivate to work out. And then that's like plans with somebody. But then I'm like, if I want to give up and leave halfway through. Yeah. I have the social pressure of like this new friend. It's like, I'm going to go. I'm giving up and I'm going to go. <laughs> like, and so it's just like really weird because like it's like I want I should say, yes, I should go work out with you. That right. would be good for friendship and my body. But And then there are the moments that we do do this. There are moments where like. Somebody has some idea, and we're like, let's do that, and you're so glad you did. I don't know. We're not going to figure it out. <laughs> we're certainly not. But, you know, if we gain anything, tell me about acid. <laughs> uh, no. Well, which drugs did you like? You've done cocaine. Yeah, I enjoyed that in New York. What is that like? Is it like a lot of coffee? Uh, oh, you've never done it. No. Uh, uh, a lot of coffee. Yeah. No, a lot of coffee really makes me feel. You're just ta- you find yourself very interesting, and you're just there's a lot to talk about. Do and, I need this drug? Yeah, it's probably. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I I liked it in my twenties. It's not, not. I understand. Yeah. I, I I remember one person, a waitress at the Boston Comedy Club, telling me she was like, I did cocaine once, and it was so good that I was like, I can't do this again because she could see a future where she would just love it constantly. Yeah. And I go both ways. I'm like, I wonder. First of all, I'll never do it because mm-hmm. you know I don't, <laughs> I don't think that's for me. But then I also wonder if I would like it. Um. Yeah. I mean, it was fun. And then you look back, and I'm like, what were we talking about until five o'clock in the morning? Right. Like, probably nonsense. It manufactures that feeling of closeness, <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. Interesting. But then you you didn't you didn't stick with you. No. No. And then yeah, it was never like a problem. And yeah. then it's sort of like a lot of things you just sort of outgrow it. How do you write? Some people. Speaking of cocaine, there was uh-huh. a time when they would just put cocaine on the writer's table. Uh, oh, you mean when I write alone? Yeah, what do we, just not to bring it back to cocaine, I'm moving away from cocaine. Yeah. I know some people that like, I'm glad I'm not this way, that are like, I love smoke. Like when I smoke, when I write, I go so much faster. I tried it once and I was like, I just had to lie down. Yeah. Like I had some cigarettes in my house from a party. I was like, I'm going to smoke a cigarette and be like Hemingway. And I was like, oh, I can't look at the screen. It's spinning. No, totally sober. <laughs> if, like, if it's a writing day at home, I will wake up. I will work out. I will shower, dilly-dally, send some emails. And then I'll try to just like sit down from like, you know, 11, 12 to like 5 or 6. Yeah. And just, yeah, totally sober. Sometimes if I'm writing late at night, I do a thing uh, – it's weird that I have a term for it, but I call it racing wine, where basically I'll have a glass of wine. So it's like oh, I'm no. trying to get as much work done as possible before, before I feel wine the wine. Because once the wine kicks in, my work is not going to be Alan as good. <laughs> oh, no. Racing wine. <laughs> I just want to compliment the term because I knew I've never done that. I know exactly. Maybe I have done it. When I start feeling like I'm getting close to being done. Yeah, it's like 11 at night. I've yeah. had a long day. And then you have a drink and you're like, I I better get this done uh-huh. before I really feel that sort of like <laughs> fuck everything. That's brilliant. Funny alley versus wine. <laughs> wine alley. <laughs> I wonder. Yeah, I guess I'm glad that I can't write drunk. Speaking of Hemingway, yeah, like, I don't understand how he did that. Yeah, I would have loved to watch it. Yeah, yeah, the typewriter kind of helps. <laughs> Seems like a drunk implement. <laughs> how many typos? I mean, just yeah, it'd be a lot of typos. Yeah. A lot of typos. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, drugs, loves. You were going to tell me some other deal breakers. Oh, well, I was going to finish the story. Yeah. 
So, okay, so the guy, uh, I really hope he doesn't listen to this, but it's fine. So <laughs> we, he, he goes, so we have the second date, that's fine, that's when he didn't smell great, right? And then the third date was like our first official, it was going to be like a date date. And so he texts me and he says, let's go to Malo and then Tiki Tees. Tiki Tees. Yeah. I hate that place so much. Speaking of places that people are like, let's go to Tiki Tees, <laughs> and I've never gone. It's horrific. I don't want to go. Yeah, don't. I don't want rum. I don't <laughs> want pineapple juice. It's not good. The drinks aren't good. They're like, they're so good. And you're like, no, this is really strong. You just get so drunk that you think that it's good, but it's yeah. disgusting. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. It's, you can smoke in there, and yeah. it's tiny. It's disgusting. That's what somebody said to me. They're like, we can smoke in here. I'm like... No, I'm the man. Like, I'm the guy that's like, people shouldn't be able to smoke in here. It's disgusting. <laughs> and then there's, like, all this, like, the tiki stuff around, which, like, I guess you could think it's cool, but I'm like, this is so, this shit is just, like, old and dirty. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just... Looks like a, a prize in a pineapple-flavored cereal. And it's like you're just, yeah, you're trying to, like, there's nowhere to sit. <laughs> so anyway, so I want to just be like, Tiki Tees is the worst place and like no thank you but you want to be early dates you want to like seem easygoing oh uh, my god thank you for that yeah that's right I you're just, doing the impression yeah and so and malo it's just like ah, eh, you could pick a better place but whatever and so <laughs> malo I, is like an italian no malo is that uh mexican place on sunset where there's like the elliot smith album color thing. i don't like malo no yeah no it's a weird place to take a give me uh, el chavo oh yeah and it's closer to tiki it's the el chavo food is gross right Look, it's all it's all food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say it's all Mexican food. Certainly, Mexican food. What I'm trying to I'm trying to pay Mexican food the compliment that you pay pizza. Uh-huh. That even when it's bad, it's still pretty good. Yeah. Are there chips? Is there salsa? I guess and yes. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, the coffee just kicked in. <laughs> so anyway, you go to Malo. So we go to Malo. And we're sitting there, and he says, he's like, okay, so, he says, I said something about Tiki Tees, oh, because I got a margarita, and he was like, don't get a second, because we're going to Tiki Tees, and he basically says, like, I am very passionate about Tiki culture, and he launches into, like, a 10-minute speech, and I really went up and down, because I love passion, I love... You love passion. I do. So there is. I believe you. <laughs> there is something, and it was something kind of cute about him just explaining yes. mugs and the, what he likes. About I will the take that a thousand times over somebody just shitting on it. Yeah. For, well, I'd enjoy that for a time too, but like <laughs> extreme passion in either way. Is yeah. Nice. So there's something kind of cute, but I'm also just like, oh, like, and I'm already jumping to like, if we ever live together, like, none of that shit's coming to my house, like. Your fucking tiki mug collection. He has a man den that's tiki themed. And when you're fighting, he lives down there in a grass skirt. (laughs) And I visit him because we're friends now. And he's like, come on in. The she beast is upstairs. (laughs) Well, he makes a drink out of liquid. She doesn't get this. (laughs) And he goes every year, four days a year, he goes to like a Hilton or a Hyatt in San Diego. There's like a tiki uh, fest or like a convention. Where it's just like, it's mostly like rockabillies and hipsters and they wear the shirts and the whatever and they it's drink like, the drinks. It's and like they... Juggalos but no makeup. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> and he, he like wears, he gets costumes and it's like, and he just loves it. This is very silly, but where is tiki culture coming from? Is there a tiki island? Is um, it Polynesia? I don't even know. I'll Hawaii? tell you. Yeah, so it's Hawaiian and Polynesian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I say the Polynesian 
at Disney World when I was a kid. And even as a kid, I was like, I think this is a bit much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can water slide yeah. to, to my bed. It's. I think there was that bar Trader Vic's in Beverly. Oh, there's one downtown now, maybe. That that's kind of a cool tiki place. But yeah. yeah. Anyway, you but can't. You can never. Sorry. I didn't know it was a culture. Like I didn't know there are like people that are into right. that. Right. 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 You can never fully relax because a man, a shirtless man, might come out with a baton on fire, <laughs> and then he starts spinning it, and you're just like, I, I, I'm, I'm so afraid. Yeah. <laughs> I have a 900 proof rum here. <laughs> and we got a guy with a burning Q-tip. And then it's like entertainment that you don't want to watch, but you feel bad not watching. Oh, how can yeah. you not watch? He's literally <laughs> risking his life and remembering the words from a five thousand year old tune. <laughs> okay, well, I, I want to do it, but it's going to sound racist. Have you ever? Have you been to Hawaii? I've been. I've been to Hawaii one did, time recently. Did you hear a person on the ukulele, like at the hotel, play that ooh, the you somewhere mean, over the rainbow remix? Oh. Can I? I'm so glad you brought that up. So I'm doing dishes the other day, uh-huh. and uh, that song, that version of "Somewhere Over the Rainbow" comes up. Ooh, right? And I said to I said to Val, I was like, I don't trust people that love the song "Somewhere Over the Rainbow" in the same way I don't trust people that love the movie "The Wizard of Oz." <laughs> I'm just not into it. It's not that good. It's not a good song, but I also just don't like the message. Mm -hmm. It's like, somewhere, someone loves me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Somewhere in a fantasy place, people think Beth is okay. Yeah. It's like, what kind of song? Like, Beyonce is just like, I'm Beth, deal with it, bitches. Yeah. That song is just like, give up. (laughs) Yeah. Somewhere over a rainbow, you're okay. (laughs) Skies are blue. Mm Mm-hmm. What happened? Did the person die? <laughs> what is that? It's like, like tears in heaven. I don't like that song. But yeah, I was in Hawaii and it was like the sunset and I everything <laughs> sun I think sunsets are overrated. I've had <laughs> very funny. But I look. can I by the way, I just want to tell you I, my theory. Uh-huh. Everyone feels like you. And everybody is just kind of going like but I, I think I'm, I think I like it. Yeah. But they don't necessarily really like it. And I get, I mean, I get it that it's pretty, but it's like everyone storms the bar and then it's like getting the seat right. near the bar. And then the cla- have you ever been in a sunset where people start clapping? Yes, I have. <laughs> it's unbelievable. What are we clapping at? Who are we clapping for? Nature! <laughs> but this woman, like right when the sun was setting, which in theory, like everybody's excited, everybody's there. And this woman on the ukulele played the, ooh, and it's like, you're ruining this thing that I already wasn't that excited about, but pretending to be oh god what are you a, a hawaiian ghost why are you haunting us somewhere doesn't he sing it kind of different uh-huh oh the rainbow <laughs> shut up not good that song is like i picture a woman with a six-pack of tab and an and a ashtray filled with cigarettes. Uh-huh. And she looks at her lottery numbers, and she didn't win, and then uh. she plays that song. <laughs> Somewhere I'll win. It's the most disempowered. She's got like a patchy poodle. Like yeah. <laughs> and she sings it to him. Uh. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't like... Also, just like women that... Uh, the Wizard of Oz, I guess that's fine, but there's something about... People that love Disney movies being rescued. Mm-hmm. Like, please rescue me. I'm Ariel. Yeah. If I went on a date and I, I was do like, like the Little Mermaid, what char- which is fine, <laughs> everybody does. But if I was like, what character are you? And they were like, Sleeping Beauty. Yeah. 
Feel like I gotta get out of here. <laughs> Although maybe that's just the female version of me being like, "I'm Jason Bourne." I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Why would you want to be sleeping? Didn't she basically get? She sleeps. She's in a coma. Yeah, sounds nice. <laughs> that's an old you'd joke. like a nice coat. You're like you'd like a nice coma. You know, Jim I, Gavigan has a great joke where he says, "You know, you love sleep when you hear someone's in a coma and you say that sounds nice." <laughs> <laughs> it's like that sounds nice. Um, I slept so much. We went to bed at 9.30 last night, and then I slept till 10. That's, that's magnificent. 10.30. And it wasn't, you know, there's times when you sleep in, and you're like, I don't need this. Mm-hmm. This is stupid. Mm-hmm. I would find a new position, and my sheets would wrap around me like a hammock. Uh-huh. Like I kind of got tucked in my own sheets. And, and Val was up. I was mm-hmm. alone. And that, that opens up a whole slew of new positions uh-huh. and stuff. I'm like, this is your world? Like, it's so much firmer over here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I weigh like eight times as much. I'm like kind of enjoying her side and stuff. Every time I found a new position, I'd fall asleep, have a new series of dreams, wake up, change positions, fall right back asleep, a whole new series of dreams. And those times are the bad. That's when you have the good dreams. It's the like, best uh. dreams. Oh, my God. They were good. Speaking of which, when you said cocaine, I want to be like, I have done cocaine because I've done cocaine in my dreams. Oh. And it always works. And you had a nice time. It felt amazing. So cocaine would have a big superpower in your movie. Because of, oh, my God. People just veer off the highway. People listening to this on a commute are just like, that was amazing. That was a really good callback. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, I've been waking up for my job now. I have to wake up at like... Uh, You're writing on the new Netflix series, Paul Rust in... Love. Uh, executive producer... Judd Apatow. Starring... Paul Rust and Gillian Jacobs. As love. <laughs> yeah, the idea of the show is to kind of like do a realistic take on, on a, relationship. a relationship. It's a dysfunctional relationship. Yes. It's good times to write. I watched um, that one table read. I thought it was very, very funny. Yeah, it's yeah. a it's a good time. Um, but I've been waking up earlier, and now like I like yesterday, I would have been psyched to sleep till like eleven. I had nothing to do, and, and I was like couldn't. up at like seven forty five, and I just hated myself for yep. it. That's the thing. Sometimes your body's like nope. blowing whistles. Mm-hmm. You're like, this isn't the Flintstones. I don't need to be up right <laughs> yeah, now. Leave me be. Mm-hmm. That's why when it lets you in, God, I'm still I'm reminiscing about how good my sleep was this morning. <sighs> Fucking amazing. Oh, God. So anyway. Are you going to be able to fall asleep tonight? Oh, yeah. No problem. I could go to bed right now. Like, people are like, I can't drink coffee after three. No- I can't. I'm that person. Nothing, Literally say that sentence all the time. Nothing will stop me from sleep. Nothing. <laughs> and I've said it in a really obnoxious way. Like, if a, like the PA comes in and gets a coffee, I'm like, what time is it? It's after three. I can't do any. And oh, like, three is your time? Yeah, it is oh, my time. No. Three is my time. <laughs> Um, so what should we talk about? Oh, I can tell the rest of this tiki story. Yeah, or we can that's do something. what it was. I knew there was something and I didn't want to change the subject. We can do any, we can talk about anything now. So you go to Tiki Teak. So we go to the Tiki Bar and first of all, there's just a funny moment because I guess there's like a family that owns, they're all old and they own the Tiki Bar and they all work there. Mm. And that's weirdly why he, I got a lot of Tiki facts, uh, on the date. So that is why... Freakily asked questions? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Teakily asked questions? Teakily asked questions. Teakrently. Teakrently asked questions. It doesn't work. That's what a writer's room is. Someone says it, then you fix it, then you vote that it won't work. <laughs> Conjival. What was the one from earlier? Conjival? Conjival visits? 
No. I feel like we had one with the C word earlier. We did. I don't recall. Well, so... uh, Go Tiki Facts. We go into... Okay, so there's the old family that runs the place, and that's why smoking is allowed in there, because the no smoking laws are mostly for the staff, and because it's family, and they're all like, we're cool getting cancer in this tiny place. You're allowed to just decide it's okay. Oh, because they're all family. Yeah. Like, nobody's going to snitch. I, I don't know what. No, it's not a snitching thing. It's public that you can smoke there. I, I'm not sh- clear on the laws, mm. but somehow it has something to do with the fact that they're all family and they own it. And, they're and cool. Diane from Cheers starts working there, yeah. and they're like, <laughs> no, no more smoking. <laughs> so you're okay. So we walk in, and there's a moment where, like the guy, like the bouncer who's worked there forever, whatever, asks for us to card. You know, he cards us, and I take out my license, and I can tell that the guy I'm with feels like a little embarrassed or something. And then, and he's like, "Hey, man, how you been?" And then the bouncer recognizes him and I was like oh he wanted me to think that it was cool that the tiki bar bouncer knew uh, it was just like a weird moment where it's like <laughs> <laughs> I know that moment yeah I've been that guy uh-huh. thankfully not for a while but it was just like where to t- I'm not impressed I'm not yeah. gonna be impressed by that that men love that yeah look at how they give me the bounty of the land yeah just based on my face we're walking into a shithole yeah <laughs> you got premium access to the shithole <laughs> yeah. so you go in well so we go in we get the drinks whatever and it's go- it was just one of those days where it's up and down there are moments where I'm like oh he's cute this is going well and then moments where it's just a disconnect and we don't know what to say um and then, uh, finally, so then there's, like, a lulling conversation, and we get to, like, the bottom of our crazy drink. So at this point, I'm pretty drunk. And I said, so who are you going to go to the Tiki convention with this year? And the person he's going with is the best friend of my ex-boyfriend from New York, who's, like, his best friend growing up totally randomly. What? And it just, like, stopped us. I've never been on a date where it just stopped cold. Wait, why would that stop it cold? You know, I think it was just weird for him because he knew my ex-boyfriend very well. It was just a strange coincidence. Mm. And it was just kind of like they were all lovely people. He's good friends with your ex-boyfriend. Well, he's friends with my ex-boyfriend. He's best friends with my ex-boyfriend's Friend. best friend. Yeah. Uh. So it's not that crazy, but something about it was just like, and all of a sudden I'm thinking about these people that just haven't been in my life for so long. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that guy's going to be at my wedding. I, you know, you just do like, jump ahead, although I jumped there too. Yeah, where you're just like, oh, I don't, I, I don't know. I just felt, I just like got the heebie-jeebie. No more drinks after that? Uh, no, that was it. He dropped me off at home and I was just like, and that was strange. Let's take a couple days. And he said, I agree. And then I just texted and broke it off the next day. What did you say? I just said, hey, if, if, if we were meant to be, I would totally be down with this. But, you know. But what? That's the hard part. Oh, but I think I said, <laughs> but like that was just too weird for me. Oh, but then what was your closing phrase? Like, maybe it's best we let this fade out naturally. Uh, yeah, I think I just said, yeah, it was too weird. Best of luck. Have fun at the Tiki convention. I don't remember how I... Interesting. Or thanks for the intro to Tiki culture, I think I said. <laughs> oh, that's nice. And on yeah, a laugh. it's nice. And on a laugh. Other general deal breakers? I'm trying to think of what deal breakers are for me, so it's just not you just kind of feeling like you have to list off it's deal breakers. I guess like really p- people that are like closed off or something. Like I really get turned off when people are like, I'm just not a... <laughs> 
I don't. I couldn't think of an example. Well, but it's like we read a lot of self help books. I go to therapy, yeah. like, and so somebody who's not in touch with that, it's it's going to be hard to right. to deal with. You want to get? I want the feeling of. I hate the feeling that people have hit pause mm-hmm. or, or worse, stop. Yeah. <laughs> I just can't stand it. It's like I'm yeah. done. This is me, baby. Yeah. And some people, I, I know, I can see why they call it deep or not deep, because you really feel like you hear your shovel hit their cement uh-huh. and you're just like oh we're not, getting, we're not getting beyond this <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah you can go all the way to my core <laughs> we're not going to talk about what happened in your family to make you like this okay right right, yeah. right. what happened in your family <laughs> i was going to ask you which parent you like the most oh that's interesting i would actually say i would say i'm equal with my parents cause... i don't believe you oh <laughs> no 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 I, I do believe you yeah but that's interesting uh, because, well, my dad is like sort of very quiet and just gruff and like, you know, he's very funny, but he's, you're not getting too deep with dad. Yep. And then my mom is very loud all over the place. Like she's the, the talker. And so she's really fun and funny, but there's less drama with dad. It's like, right. so it's that kind of, are they together? Oh yeah. They're together. Gross. They're happy. They travel. Yeah. They're like the happy people. They're not the happy people, but they're they're a good couple. They're a nice marriage. They're together. Yeah, and they have different ho- hobbies, but the same. So, like they'll travel together, but then she'll go antiquing, and he'll look at photography, and so it's nice. Uh, they figured out a nice thing. That's great. Yeah. And you have brothers and sisters. I have an older brother who lives right near me in Silver Lake. He's got two. Oh, kids. I've met your older brother. Probably. Yeah. See a comedy man. Yeah. Yes. And he has. Uh, I wanted to talk about another deal breaker. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, Morgan Murphy said recently, she was like, a lot of people come to L.A. to fail, (laughs) which is so true. And it is a problem lately because there's people, again, I love passion, but I also want passion with like, you know, a nice apartment. And by by the time you're in your mid-30s, you've like figured your shit out. Sure. And I know we're in an industry where it's very hard to do that. And it takes longer. Yeah. But yeah, a deal breaker is a guy who's just like, can't. Yeah. I have like uh, those those things for myself. Like I feel like a Republican. It kind of goes back to comedy Republican. Mm-hmm. It goes back to the tattoo thing. I'm very kind of like you shouldn't get a tattoo, and I'll also be like you shouldn't drink before you go on stage. And like uh, if a club manager tells you to be clean, you shouldn't be like fuck you and do your your cunt blast closer. That seems pretty good. You, but you don't see that. Oh, okay. Interesting. You see a lot more people that I guess we could put it positively and say they're more rock and roll, and they're just mm-hmm. like. Fuck you, man. I'm in this to be Hendrix. Right. I'm like, the thing that fascinates me is like Kurt, 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 Cobain, Kurt, 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 Cobain. Kurt, Kurt Cobain. <laughs> uh, he, um, you know, he loved the Beatles. That's something I can't get on. My, I love Nirvana. And for all the screaming and tear jeans and un, unchanged long sleeve, like, uh, what's it called? Uh, Plaid the, shirt? No, Plaid. underneath. Oh, undershirt? And wife beater. No. Thermal. Oh, okay. For all the unwashed uh, thermal undershirts, mm-hmm. there's also a guy that's like, I want to write pop music. Mm-hmm. And he did. Yeah. So, I, you know, I think you kind of have to have both of those. And he, I, I like having friends. I can't say that is a requirement for me with a girlfriend necessarily, but I, with my friends, my comedy friends, I've had a lot of breakups where I'm like, oh, uh, I, just, I just don't think we're in the same mindset. And I'm not even, I'm not proud or. I don't put it down either. Yeah. I'm not happy or sad with it. I just happen to be one of those guys where it's like, 
if you book a corporate in Florida, you you should write jokes about uh, the state capital, like or whatever, and do and do your job, kind of like what what you were saying. Yeah. But then there are some people that are just like you know arrive at the gig on like a, a plane that they crash through the wall. <laughs> they get out, flick a lit cigarette at the oldest woman in the room, uh. and then you're like hickory dickory dag, and you just do <laughs> dice jokes for twenty minutes. But then you wouldn't get asked back to that, right? So, so many people that... just don't seem to give a fuck. Oh, interesting. But, but yeah, I mean, like you're clearly playing by the rules. You could write a packet you've got a job like yeah. you sit in a room where people you know rely on you and and your character is part of the hire mm-hmm. the 11 p.m. test they call it <laughs> you know, wait the, what is that I've oh, never, you never heard, heard that? that when you're hiring for a show uh-huh. uh, you go like what about the or it might be called the 3 a.m. test uh-huh. I've never had a job that went that late no but the 11 p.m. test is is do you want to be with them in a room at 11 p.m. Mm-hmm. Like when you're trying to fix oh, some I have script. Heard, I think I have heard that. But yeah. yeah, different times. Yeah. You're a 3 p.m. end of coffee person. <laughs> yeah. I'm an 11 p.m. end of the workday person. Yeah. But uh, so you, you know how to get with it. Do people ask you, because people ask me, mm-hmm. I often say I'm a writer when I don't want to talk about exactly what it is I mm-hmm. do. But then I'll still get, obviously, people that are like, well, how do you do that? And I'm like, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Do you have any idea? How I write? No, how do you become a professional writer? Oh, I don't know anymore. <laughs> <laughs> because it changes, right? It changes. But I also, I was an assistant at SNL right out of college. I really? got very lucky. And then, and, so, and I was just sort of savvy. Like, there were a lot of agents around. And so you sort of, like, meet the people and you give them tickets. Or you just, you know, I was savvy. And then I wrote good specs. And so then, you know, you build that relationship and you give them your specs. What did you spec? Um, I guess I wrote uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm was like the first good one and then I wrote uh, I think I wrote a shitty How I Met Your Mother uh, (laughs) and there must be one more but I can't think of it so How I Met Your Mother I'm just kidding (laughs) come on I've never never seen it I think Josh Radner is going to do the podcast actually oh he's a nice guy I bet he is he's done Ayahuasca I think I think he has because the email he wrote me he didn't mention that but he kind of seemed like my kind of dude yeah so you wrote a How I Met Your Mother (laughs) I think so. I should reread that. I don't remember what it was about or what yeah. happened. But, but how, yeah. did, how did you get the SNL thing? Oh, uh, the connections from Los Angeles. Wait. So you're from here? I'm from L.A. Yeah. Ah! Yeah. Yeah. Born and raised. And then you went to New York. Yeah. Well, I went to Tulane in New Orleans. And then, uh, yeah, I went to New York with all my friends. Did you like New Orleans? I love New Orleans. It's my I'm favorite the, city. I'm the person you that doesn't like, like New Orleans. Do you like Las Vegas? No, you hate Las Vegas. No. Yeah. Why would I like Las Vegas if I don't like New Orleans? That's, no, that's exactly <laughs> it. I would have just been surprised. <laughs> no, no, no. You helped me realize that that I'm just not for the outdoor drinking cities. Yeah, I just it's so beautiful there. I could cry. and I obviously have a lot of like a wonderful memories attached yeah, to it. Do. But I mean, I drive down St. Charles and I could just cry. Really? Yeah. I, I'll tell you, not that you care too much. You probably care the appropriate amount. I'm just not. Your love of New Orleans obviously isn't contingent on my opinion. I just want to say that the last time I went, I enjoyed it way more than any other time I went. And it was because I kind of like, you know, saw live music. Mm -hmm. I was going to be like, all right, New Orleans, fry me up some crawdads and like bring it to me with a brassy attitude. Uh And that never happened. I, I still think the food is... Is like what you would make if you came back to your apartment and had nothing, and you're like, "Oh, I have this French like bread, hot sauce. and I have hot sauce, and I found this sea cockroach, and I'm going to deep fry <laughs> it. Oh, and throw on some pickles. Oh, you mean New Orleans style? <laughs> like, what the fuck are we doing? And like every time I go, I'm like, please tell me where the good New Orleans, like, what is the best restaurant? And they're like, you got to go to Fat Jim's, and I'm like, all right, Fat Jim's. That sounds a little weird. And then you go and it's just like 
you get trays and some weird guy who hates his job tells oh, you where to Frankie sit. Frankie and Johnny's. Yeah, Probably. that's what you're talking about. No, but yeah, there's a lot of the fried stuff and the po' boys, but then there's also just a lot of really good higher-end restaurants. Like French food. Uh, like all right? kinds of French. Yeah. French, Cajun, there's all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And it also feels haunted. Oh. <laughs> You like that. I went, my friends for my birthday one year took me on a haunted house tour of, uh, we, they did it ironically, but uh, it was like this poor like guy in a cave who's like a struggling actor in New Orleans, so yeah. I don't know what that's going to do. <laughs> and he's wearing a cave, and like every story ended with like, and the walls were dripping in blood. <laughs> was there any moment in the tour where someone jumped out to scare you? Uh, oh, no. Because I've been on a couple ghost tours that end that way. That's fun. And I would like so much... Like, a subtle ghost tour would be so nice to me. Because, like, people, just with words, yeah. like, over dinner can make you scared. Uh-huh. But, like, then as soon as, like, money is involved, some guy in a mask comes out and is like, the story says the girl's head is still here. It's like, just tell me a story about a girl that fell in a well, and I'll be like, oh, no. Shit, yeah. I'm like, so afraid. You don't need too much theatrics. Can we agree that uh, even if New Orleans is great, which I'll agree with you there, uh- I, in the sense that, like, I have no problem. I think I actually uh, swampland that you fly over, mm-hmm. depending on the flight path. Path can Sylvia flight flight path can be so beautiful. <laughs> the plane definitely goes into the water. <laughs> <laughs> if you're if you're on a Sylvia flight path, you're not coming out. Uh, but like, I, I think the the style of architecture is beautiful, and the, even the way the streets are, are laid out is gorgeous. But it's just the people. It's it just feels like amateur hour. That's what Vegas feels like to me too. Oh, it's totally. like, oh, you. It's not even a Kinkos. Like, I, I bet I would love a guy from Kinkos. I'm talking. It just seems like these high powered, you know, divorced guys with crew cuts and really nice white shirts and cufflinks and they're just like sweetheart yeah sweetheart give me one of them hurricanes yeah. like we can agree that that sucks well what's sad to me too it's like the how desperately the people in vegas like need this weekend yeah like that's right so sad they need this weekend no sleep this, yeah, yeah exactly uh. who needs it maybe it's probably because i'm a comedian and like getting drunk unexpectedly on a Tuesday with Nick Thune for your birthday mm-hmm. isn't that different for me. So maybe I should shut my mouth and let people have it. When we went with American Dad, we go to Vegas, like, at the end of the season, and when we went, uh, there was a guy, so me and Joe Chandler are, like, sitting in the parking lot, and we're, we, this guy starts talking to us, and he's going to Vegas, too, and we're talking whenever we get on the trim, and then I realized, I was like, Joe, like, that guy didn't have a fucking suitcase. Like, he just, like, was just, like, regular clothes, wallet in his pocket, and was just, like, getting on a plane to Vegas, and, ma- like, T- I kind of think that's great. Is that great or terrible? Oh, because I was, it made me sad. Oh, I don't know. He's There's, there to he's there to make some money. Yeah, I don't or know. do something that who knows. Yeah, I feel like it's just like that's a guy who cashes his paycheck. And I also think the entertainment climate in in Vegas seems strange. Like when people are like, like David Spade does a weekend in in Vegas. I'm like, how good can that go? You know, some guy just lost eighteen grand on a game that was Dukes of Hazard themed. Yeah, and now I'm going to get up there and be and like, comedy. Have you ever noticed at the dentist <laughs> they give you the toothbrush at the end? I don't need the toothbrush. I just clean my teeth. <laughs> Do you ever wonder? I always wonder, like, who people we know are going to be like the Rita Redners. Oh, I know. Isn't that a fun thing to think about? That's great. Uh, yeah. Well, Amy Schumer is so huge now that I'm like, when she's like ninety. Yeah. I'm not. She's not, yeah. She's great. I'm saying she could go out to pasture in oh, Vegas. Totally, yeah. Huge billboards like yeah. the Schumer situation. Yeah, yeah. Or like or, or like she's 90, it's called the dried up tour. Uh-huh. Oh, cuz her vagina's dry. 
That's just a ninety-minute life. <laughs> you, you were you were messing with. This me. is so fun. <laughs> Isn't it fun? Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't normally do interviews this late. Three p.m. We started. Although that's not true. Old Jed Apatow did it. We started at ten. But that ten p.m. Ten. How long did you guys go? PM, two and a half hours. <laughs> and uh, because like I don't like I run out of juice. Mm-hmm. Like I'm extroverted, but I'm also very normal too <laughs> I was going to say introverted but that seems like below the line I'm yeah. just saying like on the line to below the line so like we did all these things today and I was like I, I, I had this impulse you always have everything I do I'm like maybe we could do it another time and then I was like why don't you want to go and talk to somebody very interesting and have a fun silly time when will you ever not want to do that uh, I know I get it being in a not social I hear that and we have to be funny all the time and it, yeah yeah but this podcast we don't do that many bits <laughs> but sometimes people are like, are you going to stop doing the podcast? And I'm like, when would I ever not want to have conversations with people that I find very interesting? Would you, do you miss being in a writer's room? You know, I think about it as this glorious plan B. Mm-hmm. And it's certainly a, a plan A to, to most people. But to me, because I love performing so much, I'm the guy in the writer's room that's that's like – Standing up and obviously doing the voices yeah. and stuff. And I'm also on the floor if it's a multi-camera live thing, like insisting that they do the joke again but do it properly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, uh, I love it and I think back on the shows that I wrote very fondly. And I also really am so grateful. That that experience has been so useful. Yeah. If you want to write – like. When when I know stand-ups or or improvisers that are like, and then we're gonna we're gonna write our own show or write our own movie, I'm like, you just you can't. You have no idea. You don't know yeah. what you're talking. Like, yeah, I've been them, mm-hmm. but without having done it, and I I did it. Outsourced was like 22 episodes, and then Teenage Daughter was 22 episodes, and then I had my own show. But it's like those first two were so integral. I, I when I, I I write pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So I can uh, write a script fast, but it's because I have all the voices of all these people in my head. Yeah. I'm still in a writer's room. Yeah. I still – there's this guy, Will Calhoun, who's this great – and Rob Des Hotel. Mm -hmm. He's amazing friends writer. uh, Sherry and Alan, Mm -hmm. just amazing uh, writers, right? That they're still up there. All the things that they taught me and show me, if I sit down to write a script alone, they're still up there going like, I don't know if that's real. It is. I have to say it is pretty cool. The more jobs I have, the more like when I'm on a page, there's almost like a – I don't know if it's like a Rolodex in my head yeah. of like, oh, is this is this in this guy's voice? This sounds like too much like you. This That's is right. Genuine. You just like you, the more things you learn, and then you as you're writing, it's, yeah. you have all these filters. It's great, isn't that fun? Yeah, and you also get a sense for what makes the room laugh and what will make people laugh. Mm-hmm. That's a huge lesson to learn on, especially on a multicam. Like you'd have this killer line, and I had to do this all the time. I just had Nate Fernald on the podcast, and he was a writer on on the Pete Holmes show, and he, we were reminiscing about bits that I would squash because I didn't think they would play even though we'd all laugh at them and I think every every writer has a fantasy of one day having their own show and then being like I'm going to put it in the bits every time the writer's room laughs I'm going to put that bit in uh-huh. it's like really yeah. you're going to put racist blackface Superman yeah, yeah. on the show you know or whatever it was you could do it as those a those are for the room those are for the room and they should be for the room yeah. they're there to invigorate and that's where the Republican comes in that's yeah. where you kind of like you have to be your own uh, editor. Mm-hmm. And I, when I was on Teenage Daughter, there was this guy, Rob Hotel, who sat to my left, and it was perfect. I like being near the showrunner. Yeah. I want to pitch directly to them. But then he was there, and he used to just so perfectly and wryly kind of 
not put me in my place, but in this beautiful put me in my place sort of way, in a way that I needed. He was the bumpers. I'm bowling and he'd put the bumpers up. And he made me score more because he would just – and he's still there when I write. That's awesome. You know what I mean? These guys are like superstars uh, to me. I remember <laughs> – we laughed so hard at this. So Sherry and Ellen were the showrunners, uh-huh. two of the funniest women ever. Sherry – what is it? Sherry Bilsom Graham. Oh, okay. I don't know who that is. And Ellen Kramer. Okay. They're a duo. Okay. So funny. Okay. They wrote on Friends, and you're like, they could have been on the show. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how else to put it. But I remember, so they wrote a script, and then I pitched a joke to replace one of their jokes. Mm-hmm. So it's your boss. Yeah. And we're kind of going over the bosses, the big boss's scripts. And I'm like, wouldn't it be more clear? No, I was like, how about instead of like hot dogs, I said kielbasa. Let's say it was that, and I go. Wouldn't it be clear, funnier if we said like uh, kielbasa? I said hot dogs. Like if we if we swap that, and they're like, oh yeah, that's great. This is one of the early days, mm-hmm. and then they changed it, and then I go, I just think it's more clear. Like I, I, I kept I kept explaining why mine was better, and Rob does hotel leans over to me and he goes. They already changed. It. Yeah, <laughs> just like, stop it. Stop yeah. those are, That's your boss, <laughs> and you already proved that you could write a better joke in that one instance. Just like shut the fuck up. Yeah, I would get in trouble all the time. It's nice when you have a senior guy who's like, "Don't do that." Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And when do you have that? Comedy no. can be so isolating. So that's when I see two nincompoops, two look at me's. I'm uh-huh. a look. I'm a look at me. Uh-huh. I need to be looked at. I need the dancing uh-huh. and the fucking all the stuff that I think is so gross. Like I want it. My dream is to be in cats. I want to be Mr. <laughs> Mistopheles. That makes me so upset, but because there's a part of me that wants to be Mr. Mistopheles. So anyway, I'm a look at me, and then to have a, two look at me's get together and be like, let's write a movie script, or mm-hmm. let's write a TV show. I'm like, you're not going to do it. You don't have the Des Hotels. Yeah. You don't have the Calhouns. You don't have the Kenyas. All these wonderful writers, the Pat Walsh, these amazing yeah. guys. You don't have... The anchors. Yeah. And then you need to learn how to do impressions of these people yeah. when you write your script. So I think anybody that uh, is doing comedy and loves doing every facet of comedy should, uh, if they can, write on a TV show. And then, of course, I would do it again. I, I'm always trying to do it again. I told uh, old Judd, Jed, I was like, I, I would punch that up for free anytime. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, so, <laughs> it's so much fun. Yeah. But to answer your question about advice for a writer or how you break in, I have no fucking clue. Right? I would say, because then I'd like, take a class at UCB, which I love UCB, and you right. should take a class there, but a lot of people are doing that now. Or I say right. make videos, everybody's doing that now. I know. So I don't know what the new way is. What is the new thing? Because there's going to be a new thing. Yeah. By the time you can write a book on how to break into whatever facet of show business, by the time you can write it and, and get it out there, it's no longer relevant because yeah. you've made it. So mm-hmm. the bridge is burning behind you and the world is morphing behind you, kind of like my bad mushroom trip. And that, so like when people are like being writers, I'm like, I don't, writer's assistant? Yeah. Try and be a writer's a assistant. Which those jobs are really hard to get too. Right? Yeah. So you can't even guarantee that. I will say like having peers was very helpful because I was an assistant at SNL. So I knew very young, like a lot of very famous, you know, successful comedy people. But then doing stand-up was huge because then I met yep. the Nick Krolls and the Chelsea Peretti's. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. But, and so it's like then you have people that, I mean, they were had started before me. So I wouldn't say peers, but they're, right. you know, and then they're all going to get successful. And then you're a person that's known in comedy yep. as opposed to being some dude in an apartment with a spec script. And there's a way to do that. You almost don't stare at your goal. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you, if you hang out with Nick Kroll and act like you're networking, yeah. it's not going to work at all. No. But if you just love comedy and kind of are in it for the comedy. And just, yeah, I think finding friends in comedy that you can send your shit to and get better yeah. and be comfortable. And you just need to, you talked about the contradictory, uh, you're very confident and then also very... Deeply insecure, deeply yeah. Deeply insecure. That, that those two things will serve you. You write a script and you know... Even to this day when I write a script, there's a voice in my – to this day. What yeah. have I done that's so proven? I'm just saying I'm a very self-loving person. I'm a very confident person. I like my comedy very much. Even when I'm writing it, I'm like, this could be, go- this could be garbage. Mm-hmm. Total horseshit. Uh-huh. So you have to have that simultaneous confidence to put it down on the page. Yeah. And also at the same time a concurrent of like it might be bad and I'm open to it being bad and I'm open to changing it. Right. And listening to people. Yeah. Well, and that's a big lesson, too, is like if you're going to develop something, you want things to be perfect or, quote, you know, just as good as possible when you turn something in. But you're going to get notes no matter what. It's going to change. That's right. Um, But it's where it's like if you send somebody a script, it used to be like I'd send somebody a script. If you didn't hear back immediately, it's like they think I'm garbage. They fucking And it's like, why didn't I have enough confidence in my product? Right. Um, And also a big lesson is the second people read things, they do tell you because they just want credit for having done the work. Of course. So even if they hate it, they just want to get it over with and tell you. And most likely they aren't reading it. Yeah. Yeah. They They probably just haven't read it because they don't give a shit about you. No. (laughs) Well, they might not. Or Or you should say, like, and it's not personal. Mm -hmm. I currently have things out, a lot of things to different people, different ideas, people that I work with, writing partners and stuff. I'm like, hey, is that anything? And you just don't, you'll never hear. And that's okay. Yeah. It doesn't mean you shouldn't keep moving forward. Yeah. (laughs) Tricky stuff. All right. So we're uh, at the end and it's God, it's God time. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to go to church. Yeah. We're going to go to the, oh God. Let's go hang out with those acoustic guitar players down the street. You know, so that was the question I was going to ask you at the beginning. It was actually kind of a nice way into the meaning of life. He was singing a song called uh, These Days. Mm Mm-hmm. And at the end, he's kind of jamming out, and he's going like, not the future, not the past, just the moment, these days. <laughs> and I was like, it's not a good title, because these days implies a reminiscing. Mm-hmm. Because you're thinking about more than one day. Yeah. If you want to sing a song about the present, be like, right now. Today. Today. Yeah. Or just today. <laughs> yeah. I'm giving him notes. <laughs> but anyway... <laughs> Go. We should get a goomba, boomba, a goombox, <laughs> a goombox, <laughs> something. It only plays. There's a joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and play right now by is it Rush? Right now, <laughs> Van Halen, I think. Oh right. Come on, it's anything. I remember being so fascinated that have the facts like right now a baby's being born. And why was I so riveted by those facts? I don't know. We were so hungry for information pre-internet. <laughs> yeah, we're like, what is someone going to say to me? <laughs> yeah, pop-up video is the coolest thing. Oh my Jesus! If I've ever loved you, uh, <laughs> I meant Jesus. But <laughs> <laughs> me too. <laughs> so how how were you uh, how were you raised uh, <laughs> uh, spiritually? Oh oh, Jewish. Jewish, 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 but religious Jewish. No, we're pretty reform. And uh-huh. yeah, my parents, my mom would always like Yom Kippur, she would just like sit in bed and she'd be like, I'm praying from bed. My dad, uh, <laughs> my dad would want to go to temple, so we'd go with my dad. But okay. They're pretty laid back about it. Yom Kippur is a big one. Uh, yeah, it's a big one. But and, my mom was just like, I'm going to stay in not, bed with the dog. <laughs> <laughs> he, he forgives her. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's, and it's God backwards. Um, so the idea is were they teaching you that that's the truth or that's one truth or what was their. I, there wasn't a lot. I had to go to Sunday school. I got apartments, but I don't know. Yeah, we didn't. I would say I didn't have much of a 
intense spiritual education. Well, when you take the hell part out, mm-hmm. like who gives a shit? Yeah. It just becomes what it should be, which are lessons and stories and myths that can help you understand a rich, unseen complexity to existence, mm-hmm. whether it's just metaphysical or physical. It doesn't matter if it's in our minds or if it's real. Uh, and and the, Jew, the Jewish tradition really has nailed that, where they're just like – it, it helps you or it doesn't help you or you want to debate it for 12 hours or, or you'd, not for you. I think that's uh, lovely. So where are you at now? Well, so now – well, also I will say a thing about my dad is very – his thing I think was more just like a lot of people want to kill us as Jews. So it's important to like keep Stay the culture Jews. together. I know. I get that. But it was I less, mean, I don't get it, but you know what I mean. It was less a spiritual or moral lesson. But now I, I just read a lot. I like reading a lot of books on Buddhism. Uh, I like reading a lot of self-help books. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm not. I don't know that what I believe in God. That, what are the... Okay. I, you cut right to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you about your self-help. Like... Uh, I'm a big Pima Chodron fan. I don't know. I'm just... Oh, yes, you must. Pima, Pima Chodron. Yeah. Uh, oh, start where you are, uh, the places that scare you, when things fall apart. There's no. a lot of great... Yeah, she's great. None of them. Uh, for me. So, yeah, she's a Buddhist monk. Uh, I'm getting into Ram Das. That's new. It's a big Ex- Judd one. Experiments in Truth is the biggest... That's the one I should read because I just got well, Be Here a, Now, which is almost like a weird sketchbook. Be Here Now is great. And uh, Be Here Now is the culmination of a series of lectures he gave. And Experiments in Truth is the lectures. Oh, okay. Be, I actually just learned this about Be Here Now was that he didn't – he says that he didn't really write it in the sense that he was giving these talks. He had the talks transcribed. He had them in the trunk of his car. And then he'd like be giving someone a ride home and put something in the trunk. They're like, what's that? It's like, oh, that's uh, all the lectures I've given. And somebody just volunteered. They're like, well, let me read them and I'll highlight the parts that I really think should go in a book. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay. So he let them do that. Then he put it back in the trunk. And then he'd be a couple weeks later – Oh, opening the trunk, giving someone a ride again. And they're like, what's that? He's like, oh, somebody highlighted all the best parts of my lectures to maybe make it into a book. Then that person was like, let me illustrate that book. Oh, cool. So the book just kind of like came together. It just like wanted He's to just, just open your trunk for people more yeah. often. Open your trunk. <laughs> <laughs> so Experiments in Truth is the truth. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. So And Be Here Now is a great way to start. I love – not to start. I love that book. Um I'm wondering, like, if I, this is a question I would love to be asked, and I'm asking you, and not so you'll ask me, and please don't ask me. From your self-help, what are the, like, two or three things that really, like, you catch yourself going, your touchstones? Uh, the new one is drop the storyline. Drop the storyline. Yeah, that's a big Pima Chodron thing where in terms of, you know, you get into a fight with your mom or something and you create this narrative about your life and about who you are and why you're in the, or what's happening. And it's like, drop, that's all, those are all just thoughts that you've created. Right. So it's sort of like just drop the storyline. Applying story meaning. Yeah. That sounds like another way of saying like another mystical thing is like don't resist like and, and stop analyzing, stop labeling. Yes. Richard Rohr, when he did this podcast, said that when the Bible says uh, don't judge, he really was like, I think it could be more accurately uh, translated don't label. Because mm-hmm. your brain, your ego, which I think is the devil, mm-hmm. there's no literal devil, there's just this liar and this thief that of wants course. to add a storyline to things and that causes pain. I've realized it recently because of my career. I took, like, I started, uh, I, I was in, I wrote on late night. I worked at SNL. I did stand up and then I wrote on late night shows for a while. But I really wanted to get into scripted and it took a really long time for me to staff on a sitcom. And so there were a couple, like, six month bouts of unemployment. And so, like, the story in my head for so long has just been, like, oh, I struggled so much in my 20s and it was hard and blah, blah. And then I realized recently, I was like, I pretty much worked consistently starting at 25 as a writer, like, mm. 
shut the fuck up. Like, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. things weren't so bad. And it worked out for the best because those bouts of unemployment, I wrote some of my best stuff and did some of my best stand up. Mm. And so it's like, yeah, drop the storyline because you create these narratives about right. who you are and, and from what, what your life perspective is. are you making it? Yeah. Who is this narrative? Yeah. It's this, yeah, <laughs> ego driven. It's an ego driven, it's a cultural thing, it's, it's, a, it's a timely thing. You are an American woman growing up in this time. We have advertising, we have films, mm-hmm. and we have TV, and, and our friends telling us how things should and shouldn't be, mm-hmm. and then we spend so much time resisting those things. It, the examples I always go to are like waiting in lines or stuck in traffic or whatever it is, these kind of mundane things, where even in that situation, your story is that you should be on the plane by now. Uh-huh. And going back to the Buddha, that's your desire. That's what juices the whole thing, is that you're like, I want to be on the plane, and when you let go of that desire, it doesn't mean you're not still getting on the plane or you know you're not just living in this ethereal place of nothing mm-hmm. but you're just letting go of the judgment and the labeling yeah. it's not fair that I'm in line it's yeah. not fair that McDonald's stopped serving breakfast Stop taking things personally and just kind of roll with why, it why did I leave so late now I'm late why did I do yeah. that just, I'm stupid like, yeah. yeah I'm bad like yeah it's horrible just let it go well so I can plug can I plug something I'd rather you didn't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, I start, I'm becoming the woman I'm destined to be. That's what Jake Weissman said, because I'm obsessed with cats and now inspirational quotes. <laughs> and so it's all happening. Yeah. Um, but I have a Twitter feed now called Quote Club. Quote it's Club. Quote underscore club. And it's, you know, a lot of, a lot of bright colors and fun inspirational quotes. It's unironic. It, what? It this is unironic. Like, this is like made, a make-believes? No, no, no. I get made fun of a lot from comedians. Oh, no, I'm not me. I'm told it's off-brand. I'm going to tell you, Allie, I am currently just writing a spiritual book. Oh, you are? Just yeah. a totally sincere spiritual there's, there's comedy in it just because I like being funny, but it's just, it's just straight up me being like, no, this really helps me. That's on- no, that's amazing. I fantasized about that before because I'm like, oh, it's a funny person's perspective exactly. on all this stuff. There you go. And I wouldn't be the first, I'm sure, but it's just this kind of idea. Who are – drop the storyline. Yeah. I go, no, I am a comedian and I'll continue to do stand-up and I'll put out a special – yeah, sure, fine. But like what really kind of – this great thing. Joseph Campbell, again, sorry, but I'm binging again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just found this movie called uh, Finding Joe, which is just like it got 33 on Rotten Tomatoes, oh. and I cried the whole movie. Uh-huh. Like loved it. Uh-huh. I wasn't like bawling, but I was like teared Wait, up. You're in it? Or no, you no, just no, no, it? no, no, no. I just watched okay. it. Okay, Finding a, Joe. As a human man. All right. And they, one of the great things they said was, <laughs> when you hear about death in stories, whether it's the Christ story or or uh, the Matrix, mm-hmm. <laughs> literally, where someone dies and then they come back. It's this idea that you die to who you were and you rise to who you're to become. And this guy says it and it really blew my dick off. He was like, the best thing we can learn from myths is to never stop dying. Never stop dying. Mm-hmm. Like I said, don't hit pause. Don't set, don't settle. Don't coast. Don't plateau. And then so something – and it sounds like I'm patting myself on the back and maybe I am. But I'm like, okay, a, a spiritual memoir or like guide isn't correct it's not right. It, it's, there's a hockey puck and it's sliding on the ice. It's not where the hockey puck would normally go. And I was like, great, let's die because that excites me. It's like I don't want to ever not do comedy. Right. But it's interesting to die to my old perception of myself and rise to this new idea of myself. And when you realize I've been doing this tour with Rob Bell and I was just like talking so much more candidly about spiritual things. And I was like, no one raised their hand and said, excuse me, you're a comedian. Yeah. No one gives a fuck. It's all the devil in our brain. Yeah. Our ego trying to rob and say, no, this is who you are. 
This is what you do. This is what people expect of you. It's a big Joseph Campbell thing, too, is like the voice that's killing us is what will people think? What will people think? Right? It's insane. Well, it's so weird because I start a Twitter feed for inspirational quotes. I'm following Where you. I'm uh, quote underscore club. I'm following uh, you right now. But, uh, <laughs> but I start that because it's like I want people to feel good and it's all about just positive and just be who you are. And then I'm like – and then I'll call my comedy friends and be like, is this weird that I'm doing this? Is it weird? And they're like, it's the whole point. <laughs> there we go. We got flowers. I love Season. it. I stole these from the internet. Followed. Thank you. Oh, you had four twenty followers before I yeah. ruined it. You know, it's funny. But then, like, uh, speaking of Judd, who you're working with, uh, like, I'll see in my feed follow Zen Inspiration, uh-huh. and it it's goes followed him. by Judd Apatow. Oh, <laughs> yeah. All of them. And then it's me. Like uh, my Instagram, unironically, is the Chopra Foundation, and like mindfulness and all this stuff because like the shit we're so fucking stupid mm-hmm. and also so magnificent at the same time mm-hmm. but the reason why advertising works is because our brains are just constantly absorbing and defining and redefining who we are so advertising is going you're a Pepsi drinker yeah you're a Pepsi drinker you're a Pepsi drinker so if you can change the quotes and the things you're reading you should see my house it's covered in little post-its mm-hmm. that say little things oh that's great and you think that's that's some cat lady shit like you were saying becoming yeah. who you are it's like Fuck it, man. If it makes you feel good, who cares? Yeah. It doesn't even just... I, I, you're right. I, I'm not disagreeing. It does make me feel good, but it literally makes me better. Uh-huh. When I read Nelson Mandela, your greatest fear is not that you are... Uh, I'm, I'm blanking on it. Uh, now I just want to read it. I'm going to read it. I, cu- I could try and butcher it, but you're going to love That's it. That's okay. This is a quote that I have up in my house, and I've had it since I was like... 16, greatest fear. You're going to laugh. I've been doing a little Nelson Mandela at Quote Club this week. He's got some good, some good ones. You're going to Quote Club the fuck out of this. <laughs> Our deepest fear. Oh, come on. Here it is. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. Mm-hmm. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You're a child of God. I used to kind of cringe at that part. Yeah. You're a child of God because that's like a Christian sure. kind of thing. It's been ruined. It's been flattened. <laughs> but he just means a child of abundant and ever-loving awareness. There you go. You're playing small does not serve the world. You're playing small does not serve the world. So you – I'm not being funny – you doing quote club, not doing it would be playing small. Yeah. Then we're just left out. Yeah. Fuck it. I could read the rest. And listen, if I make if I make at puppy tears happy with my quotes, <laughs> every day, isn't that good? What are some of your fave quotes? I was reading one of mine. What's some faves? My favorite quotes. I just want some inspiration. Oh, now I'm totally gonna blank, and I'm quote club president. <laughs> <laughs> Can I go through a quote club? Oh yeah, sure. Let's go through. Because you have you yeah. have a, a, a source now. Yeah. I'm gonna go to quote club. Choose to see the good stuff. Yeah, and that one. So some of the ones are like fruity, artsy, but I that like, one. That's yeah, that's one. a great one. That's actually this is a thing that Judd said was to uh, do it throughout the day. Like if you're just, especially if you're feeling shitty or self-involved or something, just like go through real quick like five things that you're grateful for in your life. That's and it's a just good like one. a habit of just like even it's just like these sunglasses. Yeah, you know. I that's that's a Tony Robbins thing. Gratitude walks. Yeah, it's a portion of like you're supposed to do it like when you're working out. So I do it when I'm walking. And, like, for 15 minutes of the walk, you just make a list of what you're grateful for. And, of course, you run out of stuff. But that's when it gets good and you're just kind of like, I'm grateful for my skin. Yeah. Or whatever it is. Just it, stuff that never gets any Yeah. Attention. Or even things for, like, my car or something. It doesn't matter. <laughs> exactly. 
But this is the thing you're saying about advertising. I've found – I because I don't think like – I mean, I don't know, I, I, not to say that I'm better than it, but I'm like, I'm not going and I'm not drinking Coca-Cola or Pepsi. And yeah. those are like the two most advertised things you see. But I feel like I'm still influenced by how my body's supposed to look. and how, So I might not buy the product, but yeah. I still feel like shit about myself. It's like they could succeed in making me feel I know, like man. Shit. It's static. Mm-hmm. We're surrounded by so much static. And like, you know, I don't, want, I don't have cable. And I try to not be involved in that stuff. Uh, but then, you know, I, like I said, I'm watching House of Cards and he's smoking an e-cigarette. And I'm like, oh, I should smoke an e-cigarette. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's fucking everywhere. Yeah. And, you know, you're wearing a green sweater. And I'm like, yeah. I should wear green more. Like, it, we can't resist. You should wear You should wear a lot of blue. Blue. Yeah. Why is that? Because you have blue eyes. Do you have green eyes? Yeah. This, do you know what this is? It's beige. Is? You're no, wearing a beige color. shirt. <laughs> what is this happening? Oh. Uh, oh, is it Old Man in the Sea? No. Oh. If I tell you that this is a wall... Oh my God! It's the Truman Show. Yeah, oh, that's magnificent. Me cry every time. That's magnificent. I love this moment. So it's the boat puncturing the wall at the yeah. end of the Truman Show. That movie is one of the best. It's one of the best. I want. I'm putting it out there. Jim Carrey. I'm not going to butter your bread for two hours. Let's talk about it. Uh huh. Because I feel like he chooses these movies. This is a transcendent movie. Mm-hmm. I, every time he gets in the boat. And they try and stop him with the storm. They try and stop him with the fear because mm-hmm. that's how his dad died. Mm-hmm. And then he gets to the wall and the boat goes through the wall. I just, I lose it every time. Yeah. So I made a shirt of it because that's all we got. We're that's trying to remember. <laughs> so you called somebody and were like, I'm going to commission a t-shirt with this image. Yeah, I'm lucky uh, to know a couple uh, artsy people. And I'm like, please just make an image of this. That's magnificent. And did. There's no good photo of it. <laughs> take it. Let's take it right now. So what happens when we die? Oh. Are you worried about it? Uh, I, my fear is that it's, no, I think, maybe nothing. Yeah. Unfortunately. And then we have to live on. That almost makes me drive to, like, tweet more or something. Like, yeah. he's, like we live on through, like, our influence on other people. Yeah. But uh, I think maybe nothing. I'd like to believe in an oversoul. I'd love to believe that. Yeah. But it sounds like it might be crowded. Uh, like, that would be madness. <laughs> so many souls. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, then, yeah. Yep, sure, sure. So maybe nothing. But you're, yeah. not af- you're not afraid of it. I'm not. I would take nothing. As somebody growing up with fear of hell uh, that still pops up every once in a while. Oh, you'd take nothing over hell. Oh, my God. Nothing? Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? Jesus. Yeah, I yeah. <laughs> I worry that life might just be meaningless and we should, you know, but you, we should be good to each other and just do what we want. But Hey man, as long as I'm not getting butt fucked by a pigeon uh, in, in hell. a lake of fire like a huge <laughs> pigeon. And he's got a, you know, a moderate dick, but he's so big that it's still huge to me. If he's butt fucking me while my face is on a George Foreman grill mm-hmm. because I didn't believe the right thing. That would be horrendous. Yeah. What a joke. Yeah. I actually was saying that to somebody recently. I was like, the, the horror movie for me would be a movie where you die and there's God. And he's like, guess what? I'm way worse. Like the whole, <laughs> like the whole thing <laughs> yeah. was a joke. Uh-huh. And I hate you. Uh-huh. Jonathan Edwards style. I hate you. <laughs> I've been counting down the days for you to die because I can't wait to torture you. Oh, that would be horrible. Yeah. That's, but that's it. Like that is... I mean, when you say it, it sounds preposterous, but sometimes you're just like, what, ha- what if it, it, it is just like a complete joke and you die and it is a cartoon devil with a pitchfork and he's like, fuck it, 
bitch. I think there'd be <laughs> some fun people down there. Yeah, but you can't see them. Yeah. In fact, I used to You're do a alone. bit about that. You're I was alone. like, I don't mind the torture. It's not. It's that I can't talk to people about it. Uh huh. I would it, if there were fifteen minute breaks where I got to be like, hey, Mike Tyson is punching me in the nuts like a speed bag. Uh huh. And somebody else was like, I've been in the speed bag. Room. Uh, yeah. Oh, that would be nice. It's like, yeah, that, yeah, that might be my heaven. <laughs> <laughs> my hell would be I'd be being on acid with Leo for all. <laughs> <laughs> that story. It's the story gets crazier, but. You want to tell more of it? Well, I, how are we doing I would, on time? I would love to hear it. Um, we're doing fine on time. The question I was going to ask... Oh, no. I was going to tell you this. I had more things to say about death, too. I could go all types, types of directions. Well, you go in whatever direction you want. I just wanted to say, pay you the compliment, that uh, we've done a lot of these. And there's always, like, one moment uh-huh. that happens that will always stick with me. Some of them don't have it. Uh-huh. Not to put those down. Mm-hmm. But when you were, like, the drops on your hand and, and you took the acid and he goes, I'm not doing that. <laughs> that is forever with Like, I'll be 90. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you, Leo, the acid dealer? <laughs> no one will know what I'm talking oh, about. Oh, it's horrible. Well, so the, how it ends with Leo... Mm. Is that so? We go to we walk to Starbucks to we watch a Bug's Life. That was kind of good because I was really oh, having a trip. Yeah, but then so Shira goes to Starbucks to work, and me and Leo go on this really long walk to start. It just felt like an eternity, and he was just such a fucking weirdo. And somewhere either in the apartment or on him, like I knew he had this backpack full of drugs, and I was increasingly scared that I was going to get arrested with Leo. Yeah. Like and, Elijah Wood North, but yeah. with drugs. <laughs> oh, God. I didn't see it. No one did. But he had a backpack. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Name five famous backpack movies. <laughs> wild. Um, <laughs> wild would be a better and more relevant example. <laughs> so uh, so we're walking, and I keep hearing in my head the word, but shields. Book shields, and I even I like I get the chills thinking about that word. I don't know what it was, but it was just like this shitty voice in my head saying oh. pork shields. Pork shields. <laughs> I think it's like spelled like B apostrophe pork shields. <laughs> pork shields. You now have two moments on this podcast. I just kept hearing it over and over. It was horrible. Pork shields. <laughs> wow. So we get to Starbucks. And we go, and it's like a bustling. It wasn't. Oh, it was like a Sunday, but there were a lot of people in there. And we wait online, and like I was like, I guess I'll just have a tea. Like I couldn't. Shira, my friend, was working, but she she didn't wait on us. And so mm. this like random woman is like asking like what teas I want, and they give you the tea menu, and I just like couldn't order. Like I didn't know what to do. That's not the drugs. That's everybody. Uh, yeah, that's true. Here's the tea menu. <laughs> oh, thank you for the panic. <laughs> oh, this one's earthy. <laughs> Fuck off. Bring me Earl Grey. I'm an American. Uh, and then we we try to sit, we go we sit down inside and I'm like oh we're in San Francisco and so I'm feeling like oh it's like the hate I'm like a disgusting druggie and the hate and it's like a morning and uh, and so we sit inside and then I'm uncomfortable and I make him sit on the street with me but then I'm like we look homeless now let's go back inside it was just like you a, look up you're on hate street yeah it was horrible <laughs> and so then we get we end up going and he wanted to walk to his car and so we start walking which feels like another eternity with Leo to walk to his car. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I don't want to get in a fucking car with this person. I don't trust him, whatever. Plus, I was feeling like we would never get to the car. And so all of a sudden, we're, and he's like, my car is like a block away. And all of a sudden, a cab drives by. And I'm like, sorry. And I hail the cab. I get in the cab. Just ditch Leo. Bye, Leo. Bye, Leo. (laughs) I give the cab the address to where we were staying. 
And and then all of a sudden I'm hearing like the voices on the radio, like over the cab, like the other cabs talking and whatever. And I can't really hear what they're saying, but I'm like, oh, my God, they know about the backpack. They know about the backpack. And so you're away from the backpack now. I'm away from the backpack, but I was on. I was just tripping like crazy. Wow. And so uh, we get to the like a like a couple doors down from where the apartment was. And I was like, I can't let this guy know where, where I'm live. staying. So I was like, no, no, this is it. This is it. And he's like, no, it's not. It's it's two buildings down. And I was like, no, 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 this is it. This is it. I get out of the cab. I go into the building. And the key was kind of hard to open, but I was like, all I have to do is like get figure out how to open this door, and then I'm good. So I walk up the stairs, whatever, get to the apartment. I'm like fucking with the key. I'm like fuck. And uh, Shira's sister was there, and she was pissed at us. And so finally, after like me messing with the key, messing with the key, I can't get inside. I hear her like coming to the door, and I'm like, okay, she's gonna be pissed. I've woken her up on a Sunday morning. I messed up, but like at least I'm gonna get in the house. And this woman in a robe opens the door and says, I think you have the wrong apartment. I was on there were three floors in the building I was on the second floor oh no so then I walk upstairs get right into the apartment Uh, I just like lie down on chairs compared to one that's not the right door yeah so easy yeah (laughs) you get the whole key lock thing yeah I walk into the apartment, and two minutes later, who walks in but Leo, because he had gone in his car, and then it was just super awkward. Who it's like, drives on you, acid? I don't, Leo. You've told two stories on this podcast where I'm concerned for the person driving. Yeah. Old Tiki Hut. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, he... Over the league limb. Yeah, I, I asked him like five times, but he had only had one drink at the Tiki place, and he's a bigger guy. And Tiki places don't make strong drinks. I roll. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, punch me in the dick. So, where were Oh, and so then I get in, Leo's there. It's just a super awkward encounter with Leo because I've just ditched you him ditched in the him. middle of the street. And so then we separate at this point, and uh, I lied in Shira's bed. And Shira had this insane collection of music, but instead of putting any of it in and listening, I just lied in my bed, and I had this image in my head of my parents having sex, and I couldn't get it out of my head. Wow. And then I finally fell asleep. It was the worst day of my life. <laughs> I mean... Did I have to tell the... I shouldn't have told the end of the story. No, no, no. <laughs> no, that's not that bad. To make... I one time tried to think of the worst torture, and mm-hmm. I was like, it would be a machine that makes you have sex with your parents. <laughs> so I, I, I'm, only, I'm only saying that so you don't feel like you're the only one that's had thoughts about, like, that area. Have, and then... But that's... Is that worse for you or your parents? It's probably equally horrendous. Uh, I, I can't think about it too much. Mm-hmm. Um... But it would be, if we're really going for the worst, mm. at some point, so, uh, you know, it's forcing you to have sex, and at some point you realize they're, like, really into it. Oh. <laughs> I mean, if you want to make it the worst. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I like that you've created a machine that can force people to have sex, but somehow you're marketing it just for children and their parents. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's a torture thing. Yeah. God, torture is so fucked up. Sorry, but was, that doesn't exist. So, no, it doesn't. Yeah. No, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. So uh, to end on a lighter note, I love that story. I'm glad you told Thank every you. moment of it. I was. And I just want to point out, I was 19. Or I sure. was very young. You know, I don't know. If I were to do acid mm-hmm. with all this Ram Dasnas, I would want to do it the way they talk about it, which is someone guides you. Oh, somebody's yeah. Somebody's with you. Yeah. You're describing a real back-of-the-cab thing. And not to be pro-psychedelics, people have terrible experiences all the time. Mm-hmm. But Ram Dass, in Experiments in Truth, he tells about the first time he took mushrooms, and he disappeared. He watched his body get erased, and he, like, had a terrible time. But then he, like, learned 
how to merge and not resist and not label. And so he did it a bunch. Oh, yeah, he did a lot. Mushrooms? There were all sorts of stuff. Well, they see, mushrooms was like the beginning, and I, I, I think it was kind of harder to get. Mm-hmm. And then acid shows up, and then everybody did acid. Yeah, it's crazy. But, you know, I really do think there is like a government sort of propaganda being like, oh, you're going to think you're a glass of milk and Mm -hmm. you're going to lose your mind. Mm -hmm. I remember being a kid and being like, if you do acid seven times, you're insane. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know what acid was. Yeah. But that had like gotten around. But I've, there were, there was a guy I went to college with who had done so much acid. And I I mean, I don't, I didn't know him before, but I think he was different. Sure. Yeah. I think he was changed in a bad way from it. I agree. I think that can happen with almost anything. I knew kids in high school that didn't smoke pot. Then they started smoking a shit ton of pot. And even when they weren't stoned, they were like really boring. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So look, if you're looking for someone to be anti-drug, I'll meet you there. Yeah. But I wonder what it is. But to close the psychedelic discussion, there's this great new YouTube video called Ramdas on Psychedelics and Enlightenment. It just got uploaded. He's on psychedelics. No, no, no. He's giving a lecture, (laughs) and he's actually he's not just blindly pro psychedelic. He's like the problem is it shows you the process. It shows you how you can wake up to that kind of consciousness where everything is love. But it, then you leave. You keep getting invited to the party, but then you get kicked out and you get invited, then you get kicked out. It was like, that's why he stopped doing it. Because acid will show you the process, but love will help you become the process. Mm-hmm. And we're not talking about love like the love is the two naked kids. We're not talking about like bullshit love. We're talking about like true, unconditional, harmonious, lose the storyline, in the moment, deeply present, profoundly aware true love for everyone mm-hmm. can get you into that space and then you're not kicked out. Yeah. So he's like, he actually even says in that same interview, he's like, I think I did so much acid it was harder for me to get into that place. Monks, yogis, all these guys in the Himalayas, they're not trying to relax. They're tripping out. Right. Are you, when you do TM still, do you feel you have like a crazy spiritual experience or are you just kind of relaxed and calm? Um, that's a good question. It is more relaxing, but I remember my TM teacher being like, don't do it for more than 20 minutes. And I was like, why not? I'm like, it's, you know, you don't want to get too spacey. Lynn. Yeah, Lynn. Lynn. And I was like, and then I go, but Maharaji did it all day. She was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think at a certain point, the American, the best way for all these masses to enjoy TM is two times a day, 20 minutes. But like, for me, it's like... Go as deep as you can. There's no downside. So what are you, are you still doing two times a day, 20 minutes? No, no, no. I, I don't even do it uh, two times a week sometimes. But when I do it, we're going all in. Yeah. You also enjoy it? You do it two times? I do it, but I, I'm, I'm like a 12-minuter. <laughs> <laughs> I have a hard time. Yeah. No, I get it. That's why every another Ram Dass thing is all methods are traps. Nobody wants to be a meditator. They want to be free. Nobody wants to be Jewish. They want to be free. So it's like, hold on to everything loosely. Mm -hmm. As soon as we start, even we talked about veganism, everything, everything loosely. Yeah. As soon as we get rigid, the sooner we start to crumble. Well, as soon as my tendency would be like, why can't I do 20 minutes? Right. You know, even the first time we talked about TM, I remember being like jealous of you that you were able to, and you're like, that's missing the whole point of this. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I'm like competing with Pete over meditation practice. Who cares? Yeah. That's why I don't do it. I don't time myself. I go. It's beautiful. That's great. If you have an hour, you know you're not going to go more than an hour. Right. Just go until you're done. Yeah. That's fine. Uh, the great thing, people are always tweeting at me and they're like, how do I – I stopped looking at my tweet, but back in the day, they'd be like, how do I meditate? And, and I saw this thing online, regardless of TM, it was like, sit still, feel the weight of the air, 
erase your picture a magical eraser that erases your border mm-hmm. so you just kind of blur into everything oh that's cool isn't that good and then just uh, monitor your breathing mm-hmm. and that's true yeah there's nothing I know that will help you get deeper than that if you'd like to say a made up word in your mind over and over god love you <laughs> but not but pork shields but pork shields would be a fine although <laughs> the problem with a real word like that is then you start thinking about pork and shields yeah and like Kind of like a alien planet where there are Irish people, but instead of O's, they have B's, and we're the we're the Bopork Shields. <laughs> what is the hardest time you've laughed? Do you know? Oh, um, I don't know. Probably just sometime in the American Dad joke room. I like fell. Sure. I remember we were writing some insane B story, and I think I like fell off the couch laughing. We had a really <laughs> nice time. Perfect. Do you feel satisfied? Uh, I feel very satisfied. Good. This was so fun. For me, too. I'm very glad we did it, and I'm glad it finally happened. Yeah. It finally happened. Uh, a long time coming. But I know change going to <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, Would okay. you say keep it crispy? Uh, keep it crispy. Thank you. I will. Now leaving Nerdist.com.